Hi. Hi there. That sounds like you just walked into some furniture. Right. <laughs> just turning around from the computer to the microphone. <laughs> and kind of like a, you know, like in a TV show, like a variety show, I... Like my back was to the camera, and I turned around like, hello, ladies and gentlemen out there. Sure. Yeah. It's time or, for a uh, show. Or, yeah, a 1980s sitcom. Yeah, where they go through and everyone has to turn and do that little awkward smile. <laughs> eh? Eh? Hello. Yeah, shrug your shoulders, baby. Eh? <laughs> ah. And there you go. They don't know what to do. That natural, to do. that natural way I look at people over my shoulder. Hello. Yeah. 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 And then the final person just has an old hag on their chest. And like, ah! And it's like, yep, they're having a sleep paralysis nightmare. The only title of a sitcom? Yeah. It's directed by David Lynch. No, he did direct a sitcom. He did direct so a that's sitcom. Possible. He did. It was pretty funny, actually, that sitcom. Was that on the air? Yes. Yes. It had a, it had Squiggy from Lenny and Squiggy as a, one of the main characters. Yeah, he's uh, he was good. He, he was, was very good. good. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, one crossover character from Twin Peaks or actor, the guy who was the uh, British. Uh, oh, that's guy. right. That's right. Yes, yes. Uh, yes. That fellow. Uh, he was on both. Yeah, that was about it. Oh, we know Squig- Squiggy. Now we're mentioning it. Yes, he was also in Twin Peaks, wasn't he? No, wasn't he? Was he? Wasn't he? I'm just going to keep going. Like what? That. What rule did? Well, he. Okay, let me just say. I don't actually. I don't know because I think. Are you are you thinking that he was the brother of like was he Jerry? The, you're not thinking of him as the brother of the 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 motel, hotel owner. Horn, this is whatever. this is all. Uh, this, these are excellent questions that I'm asking. Because <laughs> that guy was played by. Wasn't that guy played by? Was that Squeaky? No, I don't think so. <laughs> these are all excellent questions and uh it doesn't look like it was no because that was in... the guy who was from the warriors wasn't it who plays jerry the oh, brother no, he, was. he was in twin peaks he was in three episodes he played a character named tim uh tim pinky pinkle oh okay okay yeah. yes he was in it there okay hooray hooray for memories excellent good yeah job. that's very good i don't i don't remember that at all yeah, hooray! Which is That's weird right. because I did rewatch that series with with Eve. Uh, you must have missed three episodes. Eve is a big fan. No, we we sat through them all. I feel like he was involved in the beauty pageant. Ah, okay. That's a series. Maybe maybe that was part of this, this the second season when I was not paying as much attention. That is as very I likely. should have. Although you know, you know me, I do not. I don't go on my phone or read anything while I'm. I, I do not know you. You don't that's, know you. I'm hoping to. And that's You're hoping this show will introduce you to me? I'm hope, that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, I fear by 500 episodes, I will like, ah, I get that guy. I get him. <laughs> I, see where, I see where this is going. And uh, But it'll take about 500 episodes, I think. That was a Malcolm Gladwell book. Yeah. It's like, how many podcast episodes does it take to really get to know someone? <laughs> 500. Or in our case, uh, you know, fifteen hundred hours. Fifteen hundred hours. Yes, that's right. Yeah, that's about right. It's, about it's right. pretty close. I, I, I was editing. I was editing a listening party last night, and it was like, you know, three hours and thirty nine minutes, and I was like, that this is ridiculous. Yeah, and if so, one thing to do then is like take all those hours, like find out how many hours it was, and then divide it by twenty four, and see how many days you have uh, <laughs> given to this beast. And just num, 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 fed to the beast. Whoops. I just not dropped, dropped my Coke. Um, Coca-Cola. <laughs>
Thanks um, for mentioning our sponsor. <laughs> no problem. Wouldn't it be great if Coca-Cola was a spo- actually our sponsor? Oh my gosh. Well, they would probably tell us to knock this shit off. Like they'd probably have some notes if it was Coca-Cola that was sponsoring us. I, my in my in my dream scenario, which I just mentioned, they love the show as it is, and they just want to be part of it. I don't think that's how corporations work, but it, it, they do in dreams. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> they just think we're the, the best, and they're they're like we're like, well, do you have anything you want? They're like, we have no notes, no notes at all. The guys okay, are if, spot if on. If we're sponsored by uh, you know dreams, yeah, I'd go. Uh, let's say we're sponsored by the Avengers. <laughs> Why not do you... the movie or the comic, but the actual Avengers. And every week we got to yeah. go on. We got to do a so plug for Emma, Emma Peel and, and Steed. We talk, oh, Steed. oh, I see what you're saying. You could go with that if you want, but I'm going to go with uh, you know the Stanley Jack Kirby Avengers. And every week we have to mention something they did. It's not always no. That's no, no. You see, you just you just introduce notes into the show. That's not a dream. That's not a dream scenario to me. No, because I'm happy to talk about the Avengers. <laughs> Like they fought the masters of evil. They fought whirlwind showed up and the melter uh, at, uh, you know, I was going to say gypsy moth, but I don't know if that name works anymore. Um, <laughs> maybe if it's moth afterwards, it's okay. Yeah. Possibly. It's a gypsy moth. Her power was, this was the, this was her power when I, yeah. uh, when I read uh, a spider woman comic, Yeah, uh, she controlled cloth. So how she stopped spider woman was she just took her clothes off. Oh, really? She just took her costume off, and Spider Woman had to like leave. I believe, yeah. I think that was that was the whole. Stand- yeah, later on, later yeah. on, she wore armor or something, so Gypsy Moth couldn't do that. But like, she just went, basically took off her clothes, and uh, it was naked Spider Woman, hmm. and she had to just take off. I guess standards and practices had notes too. Mm, maybe we have, and the notes were good job. More of that. <laughs> more boobs. I guess they couldn't show that in the comic, though. Well, back in the was her, day, she was wearing a barrel. Spider Woman was kind of a sexy, uh, yeah. a sexy comic. Uh, mm-hmm. They, the, you know, she, one of her powers. She had your your standard spider powers. Yeah. She could stick to a wall. Um, she could uh, she could glide, but then she had gliders under her arms. Uh, she could uh, zap you with a venom yeah. blast. Uh, she could uh, have any poison as long as she took a little poison. She would get used to that poison, and then you can never poison her again with that poison. Mm. But her other power were pheromones. Yeah. That's a that's now, a power most humans, a lot of humans, could have if they wanted. What's that? Have some poison, and get, then you, you can... get a near to yeah to. Okay, to well, she would do it faster than. I, know, yes, I'm sure that she was a super uh, at it do, doing it. Yeah, but her other power was pheromones, and how it would work would be uh, men would be attracted to her. Yeah, but women would hate her. <laughs> they right? creeped out by her and just like, oh, I don't like her at all. Just a question: uh, all women? That's the thing. That's the thing. <laughs> that would feel like that would be a thing. Like you know, ah, you know, ah. <laughs> oh, that's right. And so, nope, that was her. Those are powers. And then, yeah. So there would always be somewhat sexy situations, like you know, she'd uh, end, end up like getting caught by a guy, and he'd, I better tie you to this chair. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. And it's going to be that kind of business. And not tie, no one ever tied Batman to a chair in that sexy way. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that's how it goes. And no one ever, like, took Batman's pants and just went, well, you can't follow me now. <laughs> and, like, ran away with Batman's pants. He's like, got to go back to the Batcave. I got no pants. That seems, what am I going to do? That seems unbelievable. And so many issues that his pants were never taken off. 
Well, they would also they would take his belt because they knew his belt had all the stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like his pants would never fall down then, so it wasn't really working as a functioning belt. <laughs> no, it, was, it had no utility. Ah, there you go. Boing. Yeah, hey, there, there you are. Well done. Good for you. Yesterday at work, I'm proud of you. Yesterday at work, one of the guys had their uh, their sleeves rolled up, and I said, oh. "I said, oh, sun's out." He said, "Yeah, sun's out, guns out." I said, "Yeah, I say sun's out, buns out." So I'm taking off my pants, and I did. <laughs> no, I didn't. That would be. I'd probably get in trouble for doing that. Oh, these, I'm gonna tell these you days. Moment. You would be in trouble these days. It used to be you could run around uh, buck ass nude. You could just and- walk around work without any pants on. No one said a thing. But, and, and, but nowadays. I'm going to tell you something else Gypsy Moth did. Somehow, okay. she was able to control uh, Spider-Woman's hair. So oh. so, so she uh, controlled her hair. So she had her hair pull her down into a pool. And she was going to drown in the pool because her hair was like yeah. pulling her down. Uh, and so Spider-Woman uh, grabbed her hair and yep. just tore her hair. Yeah. And then came up with a nice little haircut. And then punched her in the face. Huh. Again, not something Batman would do. No, 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 no. Not something Thor would do, and you would think that that could happen to Thor, huh? Right? Like he, he'd have to like tear his hair, and, and then he has a nice haircut, and you know, as he did in the movies. But yeah, oh, okay. So anyway, you, you you were talking about your ass to your coworker. Okay, go ahead. No, no, I, this is a little tale. You 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 <laughs> went back on the spot. You know, I never I liked I never liked Spider Woman very much because I never liked her hair actually. So maybe I would have liked her better with her new haircut. Hmm. I don't know why. I just something about her hair. I was, I, I was, I was sort of off. And also the way her, her mask was on her. Oh, what was wrong with her mask? I don't look like those kind of cat's eye glasses that uh, ladies used to wear. Which, oh, okay. Which well, my, she which my aunt Spider-Man used to wear, and I never liked. Like, I never liked those glasses. It was the same kind of uh, eye eye things as Spider Man, right? Was it? I think they yeah. were a little different shape, weren't they? Uh, I don't think so. I hmm. think it was pretty, uh, pretty standard. Let me uh, take a look. Spider standard. They're spider standard. Yeah, you know your spider standard. Yeah, just your uh, typical typical eye shape for spiders. I read a what if comic that I liked that was like, what if these different characters had been bitten by a radioactive spider? And uh, and so it was like Betty Brant and Flash and uh, and Jano uh, Jameson's son, but all of them decided to have the same basic outfit, including those uh, the that type of mask. So it was like, huh, I guess that's just the way it is. You know, it wasn't a creativity or anything on Peter's part. It was just like, you got that, you're going to get that. Okay, I'm sending you the gypsy cover, gypsy mouth cover. Okay. And you'll see, you'll see what spider, Spider-Woman's eyes look like. Everyone prepare for a ding. I heard a ding on my end. <laughs> you sent it to yourself. Did I send it to myself? You no, must have, yeah. You sent it. You, no, I sent heard it to ding. you. It's right there. I can see that I sent it to yeah, you. Yeah, I don't believe you. Sir. Sir. <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I turned off all the... Maybe for once in my life, I turned off the sound on my phone or something. For once in his life, he turned off all the things. Hey, maybe <laughs> the podcast will go well. Probably not. Probably, maybe, probably not. Uh, we found out uh, my wife's TV show is going to be uh, on the TV, which is the best place for TV show. <laughs> it's a very um, good place. That's good news. It's going to be on uh, September 13th, uh, the Why the Last Man TV show. Big variety show. Lots of guests, a lot of dancing, uh, musical numbers. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, the ghost of Harvey Corman's going to be uh, oh, part of it. He'll be cracking up. Yeah. Um, John Hamm's dog is going to be in it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he could make it to John Hamm's dog will be there, yeah. and it's called Why the Last Man, and it's also a game show, and you've got to uh, guess why uh, the last man that you see on the stage is doing whatever he's doing. Okay. So hosted by Jane Lynch, we're very lucky to have her. That's nice. That's very. Good. I say we. I wasn't a producer on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All I do is I just uh, take half my wife's money. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> Though people yeah. are still fighting for basing it on the comic book that she did. So, and I'm not for that, but if they do it that way, you know, it's out of my hands. <laughs> you prefer the variety show idea. Oh, okay. Well, you know, either way. You know, no one, listen, there's no way when they created the Brady Bunch, when Sherwood Schwartz created the Brady Bunch, yeah. uh, that he would ever have gone like, and you know what else it's going to be? It's going to be a drama. It's going to be, a, it's going to be. Uh, a home renovation show. It will also like real with the surreal actors. It's going to be a variety show. It's going to be a cartoon and they'll team up with Wonder Woman at yeah. some point. That. It's going to be a series of kind of spoofy movies as well. Big spoofy movies. It'll be all these things. It'll be a live uh, comedy uh, show done by improvisers just reading one of our scripts out loud. It'll be all that stuff. And that's what it'll all be. That's no idea. So, you know, who knows where this is going to go? You don't know. I, Who can know? You're right. I, I don't. I don't know. When, so when Stan Lee and, and, and Steve Ditko, with okay. a little help from Jack Kirby, yes. um, uh, created a character called Spider-Man, they never thought, Broadway musical. And they were right. They were right not to think that. Every night. Yeah, they were right. It was not a Broadway musical. It was a bad <laughs> idea. Holy shit. I think we've talked about this before, but did you ever see them on Letterman, uh, the Green Goblin doing his musical number on, on Letterman? I, I did not. With um, Craven the Hunter. Yep. Uh, Swarm, who is one of my favorite characters. Um, Lizard was was there. Uh, I don't think Dr. Octopus. Yep. There was one Swiss Miss, and she had like a whole bunch of knives come out of her. Uh, a Carnage, who's going to be the villain in the next Venom movie. Uh, he, he was in it. Okay. They're, all, uh, they're all singing and dancing. And, and and Craven looks bananas. Yeah. Oh, just bananas. And it's a song about, you know, they're all freaks in New York. And they're all dancing around. Oh, just uh, terrible. And from U2. All songs from U2. So, <laughs> crazy. But yeah, Stanley and, uh, and and gang, they they had no idea that was going to happen. You don't know. You can't know. Um, <laughs> I was watching, a, I was showing Eve, I was showing Eve, Sandra Bernhardt on David Letterman the other day. Okay. This someone had put together a super cut of her appearances, like from the from the, her first appearance through through the early eighties. It was quite. It was like an hour and something long. We didn't watch all of it, but we watched we watched a number of them because two things. One, I was because I was watching without you, I'm nothing. Do you know the movie that she did? Yes. Oh yeah. It was on Tubi, so I was I watched. It was watching a bit of it saw, on there. Saw it at the uh, Royal Cinema. Ah. On uh, yeah, uh, Burrard Street. Yeah, they used to be under the Royal Bank. Yep. Yes. Yep. And uh, so. And so she was like, who, who is this lady? So I was like, oh, well, and I, I said, this is how I, you know, first found out about her. And so I was just, you know, I was showing her these, these bits on David Letterman. And so two things about it. One is how absolutely charming she was, like completely vi- so vivacious and effervescent and just so much fun. This is really great to see. I could see why he liked having her on because she was on literally on it at least Every two months, she came on the show at that time. Mm-hmm. And another thing that I enjoyed about it was seeing the David Letterman show that I loved. 
which was not the David Letterman show, the the late show, the CBS one. I never liked that very much. I didn't, I didn't really watch it, to be honest with you. I watched it mm-hmm. at the beginning, and then I drifted away. And watching watching the you know Senator Bernard, this kind of reminded me what I what I liked about the original David Letterman was just that it would just do whatever they want. It would just go wherever they wanted it to go, and they didn't care. And that was kind of fun. That was a very fun element of it. And I know that that. You know, I think he's probably he was probably right in that that wouldn't have wouldn't have sailed at an earlier time or succeeded in the way that he wanted against Tonight Show if he'd kept that kind of you know sort of ramshackle. But did fun. it succeed anyway? Did it succeed though? Well, I mean, he, you know, you, it's hard to break a, a it's hard to break um, something that is that is as well known as as a big a brand as the Tonight Show. Yeah, but he but he did it first. Like at first, he was again, hey, who's been watching the 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 CNN uh, talk show uh, thing. Me. <laughs> oh, okay, um, so you got some. You have oh, some insight. A, it's just a bit of a refresher. But yeah, when it, when when his series first came out, he was kicking Leno's ass. And what happened was uh, the Hugh Grant uh, interview uh, after Hugh Grant um, uh, was uh, busted uh, being with a sex worker. Yes. And then um, you know uh, after that. Uh, Leno kind of took hold and never let go. Mm. Uh, but at first, Letterman was the one who was like definitely on top, and there was a struggle. And it was like, I don't know, what are we going to do with the uh, Leno? I don't know. Get, get rid of him. <laughs> who knows? Yeah. But 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 then okay, but that was pretty close to the beginning. So you know, I know that's the common uh, thought is like we got to do this because it's this hour. Uh, but what if you did just do the thing that you wanted to do? Yeah, because you yeah. didn't beat you didn't beat Leno. No, no. So if that was your goal, that that's not what you did. Yeah. But like, if you were even more of yourself and what you uniquely were, because there's no even even late night with David Letterman shouldn't have worked. He was doing <laughs> the same stuff he'd done as a a, a morning show, and you know with the same. Yeah, writers. but it was a different audience though. It's a different audience, but it was basically the same show, and yeah. And yeah. It, but once you've done okay, if you've done your thing in the morning and it failed, yeah, and you were canceled, and then you're like, we're going to give you a second chance, and it's at night. Oh, okay, I'm going to do the same thing. Yeah, is that a good idea? Yeah, it is because you know no, you're going to you're going to have a different audience. The, yeah, but it could the, just be America doesn't want this at all. <laughs> because no one people yeah. weren't doing that. Like mm-hmm. his what what he and Meryl Marco, you know, given her the credit, like. That was that was the 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 thing that they used to say is like what's the difference between you know the other talk shows and David Letterman? It's like uh, Meryl Marco. Mm. That's it. She, yeah, he had her as a as you know one of his head writers. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, she was great. Uh, she was a great writer. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Uh, that's that's what I have to say about it. You know, it was it wasn't something that should have worked anyway. So mm-hmm. why not do the thing that won't work anyway? And that feels like the kind of Conan O'Brien way of going about things. And yeah, that. You know, did not do well at first. It was confusing because it was new. Yeah. But it built up an audience. And then, you know, all of a sudden now he is the grand old man of talk shows, <laughs> having done his for 25. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, well, so, I think I think there was two things. I, I think Letterman also felt like that the the Ed Sullivan Theater wasn't wasn't a great place for the kind of intimate show that the late night sure. was. Yeah. You know, that they gave him sort of a different, you know, he was instead of being in a room – with an audience kind of, you know, in a small space, suddenly you're in this giant theater with a lot of room for everything. And it, it just, you know, it would have been hard to bring out, you know, your brother Theodore or whatever. And it's, you know, it's just a different show in, in, 
in in how it was presented. And I think that's well, it's, and it's what CBS wanted too, right? It wasn't nece- it's not necessarily sure. entirely in again, network and, will always okay. Yeah. A network will always want a variety show. Sure. Because it's you know, it sounds good. It sounds like we're mm-hmm. gonna have big acts, big stars, big yeah. names. Yeah. And you know, it's gonna be in the Ed Sullivan Theater. And like Ed Sullivan, he was popular. Yes he was. He was popular. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Um, but what the biggest thing to me, and they, it's, I'm not copying what they said on the show, yeah. but the biggest thing uh, to me was Letterman uh, stopped being the guy who would comment on culture and became culture. He was, he was going to be the, the Tonight Show you know, guy. Yeah. He was going to be the guy who was the late night show that you would see. And if something happened, he would comment on it. But he would not comment on the culture. You can't then go, you know, these guys at GE and they're doing this and let's just <laughs> crash next door and, and yeah. do that. You know, he did that a little bit with, you know, the deli and what have you. But, you know, that was kind of crashing in on reality, mm-hmm. which I guess you can you can do. But he wasn't the little guy, you know. Yeah. But he also the he was in offices and, and, yeah, and yeah. the guy won't shake his hand. He's also much better known by the time he's doing the late show. So. He yep. can't really do the he can't really do the streeters anymore because you know it's one thing to go door to door in some you know Queens neighborhood when he was doing late night but it's another thing when now you're David Letterman and, you know pe- your people's reactions are going to be different so it really right. kind of, you know that's that's why they use that hello deli guy as sort of the 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 surrogate for for Letterman because he could I can't remember his name was that that uh, person oh yeah 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 I feel yeah, bad yeah. not knowing it but anyway. Like he, I, I, I would have known it and, uh, like 10 minutes ago. Sure. I want to say his name begins with a J. Go ahead. But they used a variety of surrogates for Letterman, right? Like they had, was it Chip, the, 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 uh, one of the kind of crew, crew guys on the, on the show? He, he kind of did a lot of where he'd go places, you know, which in the oh, past. By the way, uh, Rupert G. Rupert, that's right. Yeah. And, um, was it, wasn't it Chip something that he was, like one of the stagehands or whatever in the show. And Are you talking Biff Henderson? Oh, Biff. I'm sorry, Biff Henderson. <laughs> sorry, I got my chip and my Biff mi- mi- mixed up. <laughs> oh, we'll talk to your position. <laughs> and, and then later on, um, um, Andy, uh, we, we both know him, the comedian. We do? Oh, Andy Kindler. Andy K- Kindler did stuff as well. That's true. So, you know, he just kind of used other people to, to stand in for, because he could no longer be that kind of like, you know, no one's paying attention or no one knows who you are. You're just getting suspicious people at door, you know, just that kind of stuff that, that work really well with it, with, with late, with uh, the late night show. Yeah. He went through, yeah. It's like, it, he seemed really revitalized by the new show. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, you know, kind of got ground down. It felt like, yeah. Then yeah. he had his uh, heart surgery mm-hmm. and that, that made him seem a lot more vulnerable. Yeah. He opened, and then of course you had nine 11. So that was, Things changed a lot sure. there and tonally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he had his uh, scandal, uh, you know, uh, with the blackmailer. Yes. Uh, who, you know, had, had revealed that he was, you know, sleeping with interns and, and, and yeah, all these people and what have you. And how to come up with, come out with that. And, yeah, it was all these different eras. of, and, and then it got to, are you still around, I guess? Like, it just was, okay, yeah. I, I don't know. Hmm, I, I, I just missed you know, a David Letterman, the the old David Letterman. But what are you going to do? You know, the, yeah. things change. Things change, of course. Yeah, you're never going to get the old Jay Leno back. Never <laughs> get that guy back. No, no, that's that's exactly right. I always think with Jay Leno, though, God damn it, he missed the perfect freaking window. It's like 
you know, basically you got to look at what's your narrative. What's the narrative that's, you know, it, it, as long as it's a true narrative, like you can't be like, you're the cheap guy. So just really be cheap in life. But like it, with, with Leno, he would always like bring up the fact like that he never spent any of his Tonight Show money. He yeah. only spent the money he earned as a stand-up comedian, which felt like he was saying, at my heart, I am a stand-up comedian. I am working as a talk show host. I yeah. care about being a talk show host. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to succeed as a talk show host, but I am really a stand-up comedian. So when the network came and said, we're going to give this show to Conan, and he gave Conan the five, you know, it's like five years from whenever, and then it then ended up happening, and he became kind of real bitter and weird about it. It was like, oh, dude, if you just left and just went on a stand-up tour, you're like, that's perfect. Yeah. You showed, you, you exited on top. You showed that you could do it. Perfect. And now you're going to go and be the thing that we always liked you originally for being, like yeah. a stand-up comedian. Yeah. The thing that your narrative says you are. Beautiful. That's, that. what a wonderful, you could do that for forever. Oh, good for you. And I know you don't need the money because you've told us over and over and over again you don't need the money. So uh, there you go. Enjoy your cars and your life and you're living the dream. Uh, no, I want to come back and do the Tonight Show again. Well, fuck you. <laughs> it's just, just so, so weak, so lame, so. Ugh. But he was still on top, wasn't he? As as the the host when he came back. Yeah. Like, but so think, what? You were on top before. Like, I'm just saying. I, I think that our our narrative is not the general narrative. What do you think the general narrative is? The general narrative is is that Jay Leno hosted the show that people really liked. Mm-hmm. Then he left for a while, and the show wasn't as good. And then he came back, and the show was good again. Okay, uh, but when he when Conan first started doing the Tonight Show, yeah. the ratings were really good. Well, like the ratings, yeah. The but ratings, I mean, the I, ratings tanked when Leno took over a ten o'clock spot. Yeah, and then they and then they tanked, and then that was the end of that. Then they wanted uh, you know Conan to move to twelve oh five and have like Leno do a half hour show. Yeah, and at that point, it's just. It's just all fucking around. Like yeah, that's yeah. just dumb. Like the ten o'clock was dumb. This is dumb. It's all dumb. As someone who like someone who was like Letterman, who's a broadcaster at heart, would not have allowed that. Conan as well gets you don't do this. This is just bullshit. Yeah. But Leno just had this it just was this desperation of, yeah, I'll do uh ten o'clock. Oh, I'll do a half hour. Oh, I'll do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Instead of like leaving at number one to go do the thing you say you love to do. The thing that we want to see you do, yeah. the thing you're the best at. Nope, you're gonna come back and you do that. And yeah, he did, you know, get the top spot again. But so what? You just repeated yourself. It's fine. Yeah, but yeah. It's not. No, no. I'm just saying. Deal. I, I just, I just feel like, you know, we are being like in our, in our comedian bubble. We, we're looking at it differently than the the public would have looked at it. I just look at like then you know where he has to like retire a second time, <laughs> and he's already had the big finale and farewell and you know yeah yeah, you know you did it your way yeah (laughs) off i go bye and then you know then he comes back and marries mom again that's it i don't get the second divorce i don't like this gold watch yeah and then you end up with jimmy fallon hosting the tonight show and everyone's like "Eh, i guess that's okay no one goes you know no one goes oh man he is the best host of the tonight show I bet, oh, I bet you it still. I bet you it still has controls the ratings, though. It's still fine. Yeah, and you know what? It, online, you know the the bits he does because yeah. it all gets separated and put on YouTube or what have you. It's all it's all does fine. Yeah, but it's also it's about the brand. It's not about 
you know, like Johnny Carson, if Johnny Carson had left the Tonight Show and started the Johnny Carson Show on a different network, it wouldn't have done as well as the Tonight Show. You know? No, no, because he, did, yeah, because he made the Tonight Show what the Tonight Show was. Like I know there was previous Tonight Show, yeah, yeah, but the Tonight Show you're thinking about is the Johnny Carson Show. So yeah, yeah, you've established once again it's your narrative. <laughs> you are the host of the Tonight Show. Yeah, if you leave and host another show, yeah, and, and you know, but but when you get when you get Jimmy Fallon, who again is a talented individual. Uh, but not an interviewer, but not a, but, but, but a talented individual. Yeah. Uh, but he should not be the host of the tonight show. Right. Like that's, he is because he was the host <laughs> I, I don't of, know. of whatever the late show was after afterwards. And they just bumped it up and yeah, yeah. made it the thing, you know, the same show yeah. uh, earlier. It was, so it feels like what they actually did was they got rid of the tonight show. Yeah. The tonight show now no longer exists at all. Mm. All you've gotten is, uh, a late night with Jimmy Fallon is now called the Tonight Show, but it's the same thing. Yeah. There's no difference. There's no change. There's no change to the, to the you know, the, the vibe. It's just that's what it is because he's got those notes to play. He can only play those notes, and that's fine. Yeah. So he, he's, they, I, think he's, I think he's. I think he's too. Show. I think he's too intrusive. Like like Carson knew how to kind of sit back and let and let things happen. You know, whereas Fallon kind of wants to be the center of attention and has a hard time you know, giving up the stage to, to the people he's with, you know? So like if someone comes on the show, of course they always do those setup things, right? Where they're like, Oh, let's pretend we're going to like randomly dial or spin this thing. And then we have to sing a do song in a yeah. style or whatever. Hey, it's luckily that one you can do perfectly. Well, exactly. For, for well, both cases. To do Nixon. Oh, oh, that, <laughs> oh you ooh, lucky. lucky, lucky. <laughs> so that's right. And the same with the same with the guests as well. Obviously, they it's a you know it's a ringer. They they have their own their their own impersonations that they do, and then they both kind of do their impersonation off. But it's not just the guest who gets to shine in that spotlight. It Jimmy Fallon has to share the spotlight. He cannot relinquish the the you know the attention of the show to another person. Well, here's the thing that I think separates Fallon from like someone who's very good. <laughs> and and and, and yeah. again, again, he is a talented individual. Sure. When you see his segments, yeah. they're fine. <laughs> um, you you like line up whoever you want as a talk show host. You know, Johnny Carson, uh, Joan Rivers, uh, Conan O'Brien, uh, any freaking anyone that you yeah. can think of. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and and think to yourself, like, okay, you're pitching this show. What really makes them laugh? And now, what pisses them off? What pisses them off? Like you've seen them all for the most part pissed off. You've seen when Carson is not buying it and is annoyed. You've seen when Letterman's annoyed. You've seen when Conan's annoyed. You've seen when Joan Rivers is annoyed. You get it. Um, but for Jimmy Fallon, everything makes him laugh and nothing <laughs> pisses him off. Yeah. And so there's no connection. There's no, mm, yeah. you know, there's no risk. There's no, there's, you know, everything's got a net that is, you know, six inches you know, uh, below them. And it's, it's, so there's no, there's no nothing. Whereas like you, if you saw someone on Letterman, ooh, anything could happen. Anything <laughs> could happen with John Rivers. Even Conan O'Brien, he's not, mm, he's not the best talk show host. Oh, anything could happen. Oh, things could happen here. <laughs> Who knows? And also, you know, uh, Conan as, as like, eh, as, as, as he could be, can also, you know, get a little deep there. He's, he's got depression. He's got some issues. He's got some shit. Okay. Um, but like, Jimmy Fallon just doesn't have that. And and then you have these weird times where tragedy occurs and then the talk show hosts have to address 
the audience and talk about their feelings. And it's just like, don't make Fallon do it. He can't. He doesn't have feelings. Like he loves his children. We've seen that. But this is not his bag. Yeah. yeah. He's not that. He's an entertainer. You Mm. know, he's not not this kind of – he's not a talk show host. Yeah, he's not a thoughtful – He's not going to give you like a, a think piece, like say Letterman's famous sort of uh, post 9-11, can we do yeah. comedy monologue, you know, where he basically is thinking out loud about what do we do now? Like, how do we present yeah. what we and do? And Letterman's, Letterman's advice, you know, bottom line was, uh, if you want to see a good example of what to do, look to Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> is that what he said? Yeah, yeah, that doesn't hold up as well. Oh, you know what? It it never did. I mean that that whole that whole that whole narrative is as phony as baloney, and it's just it's hilarious how how much that that sold at the time. Yeah, but just the fact that like like Rudy Giuliani had like taken away the I was uh, reading something about this the other day. Like he had taken away there was like a like a you know the mayor's off. They had their own kind of like emergency operations. Mm-hmm. Uh, department, and so yeah. it existed under the police. But Giuliani decided that he wanted to have control of it, so he took it over, and he wanted it to be close to where City Hall was, so he could just walk to this place. And do you know where it was located? Where Twin Towers. So when it happened, the the whole operations was in disarray. So there was the whole emergency procedures all fell apart, and so all the all, all the problems that are going to come out of that came out, of course, as well as the fact that because. It wasn't glamorous to do so. He hadn't upgraded the fire, the fire, uh, firemen's communication systems. So they were using these really old, uh, you know, intercom, you know, walkie talkies and stuff like that, that failed them on the day. And so the, you know, none of the, like, the important information could get to the actual people on the ground. And because it was much more glamorous to buy, like, tanks for the police rather than, you know, provide, like, intercom or, like, proper communication systems for the, for the firemen. Yeah, yeah, no, he's a real phony baloney. All that stuff was just, ugh, just all, all PR. So yeah, he was no, he was an a hole from the get go. Don't David Letterman, don't say that. Oh, it's too late. He, did it. he said it. He fell for it. He fell for it he too. Was, he was an a hole from the get go. <laughs> sounded like the get go. Yeah, he was working for that insurance company as well. Well, and now you got like now you got Letterman. Uh, he's got his own show. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's what he wants it to be. And that's fine. Like, he's doing the show he wants it to be, not what what it should be. Yes. Yeah. And it is occasion like, and again, it's weird because, like, people treat him with such reverence. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that it's, it's interesting sometimes when you get someone like a Tina Fey who's on there who, again, it's narratives, man. Mm-hmm. And it was like, when someone goes against your narrative, you've got to fucking comment. Otherwise, ooh, it's huge. Where uh, she was talking about, how, uh, you know, he didn't have any uh, female, after Meryl Marco left, uh, Meryl Marco, uh, didn't have any female writers on the staff. Yeah. And he went, yeah, I never thought that, you know, women would want to be uh, on the writing staff. And uh, and it's one of those things, you know, our, of our little dog and pony show. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, and there's a laugh, and it's like, and you could just let that go and just like, yeah, I could see that. And he was hum- he was very humble about it. He didn't think his show was good enough for a woman to be on. That's what he was saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she went like, well, yeah, of course we would have. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just a stupid thing to say. That's stupid. You should, you should at this point, you've got to, as a grown ass man, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, yeah. looking back, should, you should at this point now go, yeah, that was stupid. That was sexist bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, You're he, right, had, he yeah. has said that. He has said that though. Well, he didn't, he didn't with the, uh, he didn't with uh, Tina Fey like recently. 
when when she was talking to him about it. Well, what did he what did he say about uh, not having women on his uh, staff? It was a, in an interview or something I was reading a little while ago with, with okay. him. And yeah, he just exp- he did express regret about about that and felt he just you know he just said I just you know it definitely was like. You know, he just sort of apologized for it. I mean, what, what can you yeah, say? Yeah, he now? also, what's, what's you know, done, I guess. There but, were women on staff who he would take ideas from who he was sleeping with, mm. you know, and who had a whole bunch of good ideas yeah, until they stopped yeah. sleeping together. Sure. And, you know, that's just textbook fucking bullshit. <laughs> and yes. But it it's also is. it's also a, a generational thing, right, of of, of a different time. Like, Do you, you know, think, like, uh, that was a Carson type thing, too? Well, how many times was Carson married? Well, that's the thing. He was. Well, that's the thing. Carson is old school. He's older old than Letterman, school. though, right? Like he's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. So, yeah. like, you know, it feels like he wouldn't be sleeping with interns. Yeah. He would be going out on the town, meeting the ladies, and yeah, then yeah. marrying them, and then you end up with a whole bunch of wives, <laughs> and then you got a bunch of uh, jokes about wives. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is not... yeah, that's a different. That's a you know, like yeah. Whereas Letterman came, you know, came up through a very masculine thing, and I was just reading a. I was reading an interview. It was um, a singer. She's saying she did um, that. Uh, Jennifer Warrens, who did like covers of Leonard Cohen songs, like she did that album, Famous Blue Raincoat, I think it's called. It's like all covers of Leonard Cohen. But she also sang backup for Leonard Cohen in the early 70s when he was touring. And she said, he was a ladies' man. I don't mean that in the sense that he was, and she didn't mean that in the sense that he was a, 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 you know, chase women, although he did do that, obviously. But, also, he loved women. Like, if there was like a bunch of guys in a room and there's a bunch of women, he would come and sit with the women, and he liked to be with women. And she said, and I always felt appreciated by him for who I was because that was really rare at that time. Because in that time period, guys were doing everything they did everything they did to impress other guys. That was their motivation was to I'm going to make these other guys angry, jealous, you know, whatever. And that was that was the, how it was for that for that generation, you know. So. So I think like sort of someone like Letterman coming up like through the comedy store, you know, who's he, who, who's, who's around him, right? Besides Elaine Boozler and mm-hmm. Sandra Bernhardt, there's probably not that much in the way of women. And someone like Elaine Boozler, obviously, when you see her, like her act, really had to like learn to be a, a, a girl's guy, you know, like, like just, you know, just that kind of like super in your face kind of comedian, you know, to compete with the guys and be accepted by the guys, she needed to be that kind of comedian, you know? Mm-hmm. Sandra Bernhardt obviously went in a totally different direction, but she's just like a weirdo. So, you know, that's a different thing entirely. Yeah, Booster was, <laughs> was always part of the group. Like, she lived with Robin Williams. I don't think romantically. I think they're just roommates. Yeah. But, like, she was always part of the comedy scene. Like, yeah, every yeah. incarnation. Yeah. And yeah, she made a, some- and I think she made a point of being, like, you know, like a hard-as-nails kind of a gal who could, you know, get dish it out and take it in this kind of guy's world. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and if you didn't do that, you were just going to get forgotten about because the guys wanted to be with the guys. You know, they wanted to impress their friends. They wanted to, you know, get on stage and blow so-and-so away, you know. And that kind of, that kind of like, I don't know how you call it, like the alpha nerd kind of way of looking at the world, you know, where it's, it's, you're still super competitive. You're just super competitive about something that no one else well, cares Well, there's the other thing, too, is that, uh, <clears throat> what's her name? Mitzi, Mitzi Shore ran the comedy store. Yeah. And so, you know, she was the one who did all the hiring, and she liked to fuck the dudes. Yeah, yeah. And so, <laughs> sure. and so you, know, she, you know, women were competition for her. Yeah. She wouldn't want to have women around. So mm. it was like... You, you think like the reason for this is like sexism and it's like, yeah, you're right. But it's, it was sexism 
from a woman in power. Yeah. Quite often. And so then, then that extrapolates to you don't get a lot of women on stage. No one sees the women on stage. So yeah. All the women on stage don't be used to women on stage. Yeah. And so women don't go on stage. Yeah. And yeah. Held everything back. And then for a you know. And then you don't. You're not used to them being around. So you don't. You don't. You start. You get a television show. And of course, yeah. You have Meryl Marco, who's who's like a brilliant genius. But when she left, you know, to Letterman, he's 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 not thinking to himself. Well, we need to get women around here. He's never, you know, his whole thing is about guys together, right? The guys doing guy stuff together. Well, they think it's it's the it's the bullshit thing of you know. Listen, this is a meritocracy, and it's like it sure is. <laughs> yeah, me, yeah. Exact same. Yeah. To me, it's the exact same thing as like you know when you get Bill Maher going on stage and just going, "I'm telling you, you know, there's no safe spaces here," and it's just like. You're in one. You made one. You just by saying that you made this your safe spot. Everything you're saying, it, this is this, your name is huge behind you. That's right. No one can disag- no one can disagree with you now because you you yeah. just named named it a safe spot. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. true. Yeah, you, everything. That's right. Well, fine. Good God. Yeah, and then anytime someone mentions a meritocracy, you're just like. Well, you know, we could just break this down as how that's not what a meritocracy is. <laughs> no, seconds. no, you're right. Okay. Uh, you're right. I'm sure all those guys, and I mean, it was the a same. Meritocracy means to them, yeah, I'm where I should be. Yeah, that proves the meritocracy. Sure, works. sure. It doesn't matter that you went to school at Harvard with this other guy who got hired on the Letterman show and recommended that you should also work there as well, and so you ended up working for the Letterman show. You know. Yeah, isn't it weird that all of us who succeeded knew each other, you know, 15 years ago? <laughs> yeah, what a right. winky dink that is. What, what are the in odds? New York City, in <laughs> Los Angeles, with millions and millions of people. But we were the ones. Yeah. Us. Sure. These 15 people. We band of brothers. Yeah. But I mean, beside like Ann Beats, who, who, who else were like the early female writers on Saturday Night Live? And, you know, just. Rosie, Sh- Rosie Schuster. Rosie Schuster? Okay. Okay. Yeah, it just feels like, and there's a person who obviously knew Lauren Michaels, so was able to like swing that, you know, make that work for well, herself. Her, her big thing was that she was this, the daughter of uh, uh, Wayne Schuster. Schuster. Well, yeah, I know, but I'm just saying like, but for Lauren Michaels and, and she would have known him because Wayne and Schuster were CBC yeah, Cat, people Cat, and, uh, and he was, you know, he was the producer and, and you know, up, com- up and coming comedian at CBC as well. So, you know, just those worlds would have, would have you know, overlapped. And so, yeah, I mean, and that's, and that's nothing, to, and that's not to say that people don't deserve, like she doesn't deserve to be a writer on Sunday Night because she knew someone. I just, I just mean that that's just the, how it works. It's not, it's hardly ever a meritocracy. It's based, you know, it's always, you know, I know a person who can help, who can do this thing, you know, like, yeah, do, do you know anyone we, who's a writer who's looking for work? You know, just, just yeah, you, get, else. you get the situations, and at least this has been the case with multiple places I've worked, where, you know, you, someone eventually looks around the room and just goes, hey, wait a minute, this is dumb. And it's like, and then bring someone in. You're like, well, why do they get to be in? And they got to skip the queue and they got that. Da, 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 da. And yeah. you're like, oh, because they had a whole bunch of hurdles in front of them that you didn't have. And that's why you're here right now. Yeah. You know, and it looks like it's easier for them because they're just getting hired and didn't have to do the steps you went through. But you had access to that path. Yeah. So what we need to do is bring a great variety of people in. And this will benefit you in the long run, you stupid fuck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was the thing of the, with improv. We're like, we, you know, it's like we've got very few women, so we're going to bring in more women. And, you know, uh, and then we ended up also bringing in, you know, people people who were gay coincidentally. Um, but, but then that built our audience up. Yeah. So it's not just 
freaking, you know, bros who comes to see the show. And then your audience gets bigger. Mm-hmm. And then things are better. It benefits you. <laughs> but, you know, if you're thinking that it's a competition, which it, to a degree it is. Then yeah, I mean, I mean, all, all jobs are a competition. I mean, you have to compete and prove yourself in order to, you know, keep your job or at least keep keep your job in a way where you're advancing in that in the situation whether, it, well, this is, this whether is, it's raises or whatever i mean that's just a fact like yeah this was like a uh not I mean, it was an argument it was a discussion we had with our friend branwin um uh Bigglestone Bigglestone yeah. on uh on, on on the past show where we're talking about comics and whether or not you know uh say i've got a comic and you've got a comic are our comics uh in competition with each other and technically, you can go, yes, because we're both trying to get the same shelf space at the moment. But my bigger thing is, no, because if you succeed, that will probably build an audience and get an audience in that wasn't previously there. Mm-hmm. And then I now have the potential to tap into your audience as well. And it's growing the market as a whole. And and people don't seem to see that. They just think it's got to be, you know, sure. the market is what it is and it's locked in. And yeah. then to a degree, they're right. But it just feels mm, there's more out there. Mm-hmm. Well, no, you're. I mean, you're right. I mean, I think. I think I, just because you're right doesn't mean like the the opposite of that isn't true as well. But that's you know. an interesting point. Yeah, <laughs> just because you're right doesn't mean the opposite isn't true as well. That's a real good point. Like so, just because there's matter doesn't mean there's not dark matter. <laughs> well, you know, that's it. I and I think or antimatter. Yeah, I mean. It's, I mean, it's it's all it's all water under the bridge now. I mean, what the David Letterman late, you know, whether it was late night or whatever show, you know, would it have been better with more women? Maybe, maybe it would have been different. It would have been, it would have been more welcoming to women. I think. I mean, I think that show was, you know, if you have a criticism of the David Letterman show, I think it's that almost all of like the memorable things that people talk about are kind of mean to women. Whether it's Nastasia Kinski, get you know, having her hair made fun of, or Madonna. Him and Madonna having there, you know, there's a lot of friction there. Yeah, yeah, and then I'm thinking about share, and then Paris Hilton being asked about her jail, jail, jail time and stuff when she had specifically asked to not have not have to talk about that. Just things like that, where it feels like that's just bullying, you know. And mm-hmm. maybe if there was more women on the staff, then that those sort of things might not have happened. I I don't know. I don't know if if the people that obviously he did have pe- women there who he who he worked with because he was sleeping with them. So it was, yeah, they weren't invisible. Uh, and even like later, later on on the Late Show, yeah. there was a uh, Lindsay Lohan interview he did that mm. was like really fucking mean. Yeah, yeah, Just yeah. Mean. Yeah. But but you know the whole thing is like yeah well you know you know that's when you would take it out on you know the Britney Spearses and the Lindsay Lohan you know yeah yeah they're, they're young they can take it they can take a punch <laughs> and it's like no they can't yeah well, they can't do you see what happened to her yeah no one can take that that's not no that's a good point yeah no one can take that well they're famous and they're rich. Yeah, you know, <laughs> let's make a list of rich people who have committed suicide. Have you got a list? Yeah, have you like, just thought of five people yeah, just right yeah, now? Yeah. Well, good. That's how that works. I guess money doesn't solve that problem. <laughs> well, that's it. Uh, yeah, no one. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. Your problems are your problems. You know. I mean, that's I guess I I really like Seth Meyers' show. I think the writing on it is very sharp, and mm-hmm. the jokes I really admire. Yeah. And you know, I think like half of his writing staff are women, and and then they get a lot of screen time as well. At mm-hmm. least they were before COVID. Yeah. To the point where like Amber Ruffin spun off into her own show. Yeah, but still writing for Seth. So still writing for Seth. Yeah, because yeah. you can do both, and yeah. so yeah. 
Uh, but her show is great. It's on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just watched clips of it on YouTube. I just watched YouTube clips too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and then and then she's kind of spun off. And she's done, you know, the Black Lady Sketch Show on HBO, okay. which has been just blowing me away uh-huh. uh, as like one of the funniest shows and one of the best horror shows. There's just so many horror elements to it that just like, geez, hmm. it's very similar to um, it, it. Again, I don't want to say it's very similar, but I have to say it's very similar uh-huh. to Ian Peel in their later seasons, hmm. where sometimes they would dip into the horror well. Yeah. And do legitimately creepy things uh, that would work well because horror and comedy. Is just, I, oh. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if they're a little influenced by Kids in the Hall there because that was something that they definitely did as well. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. And then of course you know uh, you know being black woman is like hey you know what life's fucking scary yeah <laughs> everyone's out to get us. Mm-hmm. Um. Do you think that makes for horror? Yeah, and also for comedy. And they just and then they then they just add this. Uh, absurdity to it that you would never it's not just like well here's the message and the message would be enough for the sketch to work and now it would be a Saturday Night Live sketch but they just go crazy with when they just riff on these weird little minor things that are just ah god damn it I love that show I've not seen it it's quite good Oops, I have not been watching a ton of... Uh, and if you want a, a good show, and I think I've already plugged this show on on, on this show, uh, Hacks, uh, Gene Smart's uh, show about basically a Joan Rivers slash um, uh, Debbie... Oh, who is Carrie Fisher's mom? Debbie, Debbie Reynolds. Debbie Reynolds type, who's working in Vegas, but is like getting a little out of touch. And, uh, and so she has to team up with a writer who just got canceled for a tweet she made. And uh, and it's their relationship and writing jokes in Vegas and it's really really good. It's way better than it should be. And uh, that's an interesting premise. So what? Uh, sorry, what channel is this on? Or what? This, this is on like? HBO or Crave. Uh, okay, that's where I see my HBO. <laughs> oh, sounds interesting. Once again, when I'm when I have some more time, I will <laughs> turn turn my attention. I've I've just been watching weird things just on, on whims, so I haven't been very uh, I haven't been very. Uh, you know, it, this is one of those things where you're like, oh, I should watch this show. It sounds very, it sounds very uh, virtuous and, and good for me to watch that show. Or I could watch this old horror movie. Hmm. <laughs> Let me watch The Descent. Yeah. Yeah, Descent. Yeah, I do like that Descent. I know, I know. Uh, not everyone in your house like The Descent, but. Yeah. <laughs> Lisa, Lisa thought it was dumb. She thought this is a dumb, <laughs> this is a dumb movie. She said, I said, why is it dumb? Because these people went down a hole in the ground. I'm like, uh-huh. You know that spelunking is. Something so common it has a it has a name, even if it's ridiculous. But yeah, it's. Uh... How many people do you think had to go down a hole before they named it? Yeah, really. And how many people did really dumb things there, and that's why they called it spelunking? Yeah, it could be. If you want a, a different kind of descent, throw this plug out. Yeah. Uh, on Netflix, Bo Burnham's uh, Inside is a a very good. I'm going to put comedy in quotes special <laughs> uh, about. Uh, yeah. He does a, a special to shot the whole thing himself in a very small house uh, it, during the pandemic. Okay. And it's him going a little bit crazy uh, during <laughs> it. Huh. And there's there's one point where he's like by a clock as he's waiting to turn 30. And it's <laughs> it's very interesting. There's a lot of there's a lot of really good stuff in it. Mm. And it's good music as well. Uh, very, it's kind of very, returned to his roots, hey? Yeah. YouTube, it's, it's, YouTube it's a lot of it is sort of like a sequel to his last special Make Happy, but of course dealing with Things aren't great right now. It's really hard. <laughs> and there's a lot of dealing with depression and what have you. But yeah, the turning 30 stuff I thought was good. And, I, and, and at the time, it reminded me of that uh, video you put up 
about, you know, uh, by the time you're this age, you will have spent <laughs> this many weeks. Yes, which, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is on our Sneaky Dragon uh, page. Yes. Um, uh, but but it, it made me think, like, you know, to him, turning 30, yeah. he had to spend a year indoors. Yeah, yeah. That's a 30th of his life. <laughs> One 30th of his life. Sure, sure. To us, it's not... It's shitty, yeah. But it's not a thirtieth of our lives, you know. No, and, and but it's, that be, it's still the same amount of time. So, not really though. Percep- Perception-wise, I think like you know, if, if someone like like your one of your daughters, yeah, you know, is like her twenty, uh, that's a twentieth of her life. She's yeah, spent yeah, no, yeah, it's been in, very in, in a pandemic. Yeah, and to a ten-year-old, that was eternity. <laughs> that was forever. When yeah, they yeah, remember yeah. this this period of time, it will be forever. Yeah, in their heads. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no that's no true. Sense of, you know. Yeah, I can't. I've often said that at, at home. I can't even imagine being a kid going through this. I don't. I don't know what. Like, I just, I don't. I, I just can't. I can't even th- imagine it. Like, not being able to go outside and play with your friends, and and even school being like this weird hellish thing of having to like sit on a computer. And I know that sounds great to people, but uh, no, if you have no option, yeah, it's yeah. not. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you're locked in the candy factory for a year. Hooray. <laughs> <laughs> like to me that just sounds i mean i i don't enjoy um i tried it when i was in university doing distance classes and i i did very poorly at that i just i i need the structure of a classroom to to get any sort of anything out of me even if it's you know just blood from a stone but it's uh it yeah i just couldn't i couldn't imagine having to do it like that i just the whole year would be a write-off for me yeah the entire year it's i think Again, one of the things that you kind of get into a conversation with after you watch uh, the Bo Burnham special is like, uh, oh, people are going to be messed up for a while, mm-hmm. like a good while, like in ways that you don't know, ways that will hit you later I think on. That, I think you're right. I, think, I don't think people are going to be messed up in the sense that they're not going to like – that's something I was talking about with a coworker today, and he said, you know, it's funny. I thought I would be a, take, it would take me a lot longer to want to get back into society, but he says, I'm ready. Like right now, I'm ready to do it. And I said, I, and and this guy's like, you know, he's a germaphobe. He had a really hard time with this at the beginning. Mm-hmm. With um, you know, went through a lot of a lot of issues with it, and but yeah, I mean, you just get to that point where you're just like, like I'm I am ready to get back. <laughs> I'm ready, and you know, he's a single guy. You know, he's in his 30s and he's single, and he hasn't, you know, he hasn't been on a date for a year and a half. Like that's a that's a long time. Yeah, and uh, time's a wasting. Point at your watch, and so he. Uh, yeah, like he said, he says I'm surprised, like how ready I am. Like I thought it would take me a lot longer, but no. And I said, well, yeah, I think people are going to be like that. I don't think I don't, and that doesn't mean that people aren't going to be like, aren't going to have like, you know, uh, feel, you know, have to deal with like, uh, you know, stress issues and stuff like that. That's going to come out of this in ways. But I don't think that people, I don't think that most people, I don't think the majority of people are going to be locked in their house. Is what no, I'm no, but here's here's what, again, there's so much to talk about with it. Um, but I feel like, you know, when you have, say you have the flu. Yeah. And you got the flu and you're just knocked on your ass and you're like, uh, and then you have that first day. Yeah. Where you're like, oh, hey, I don't feel bad. And then you're like, you know what? I feel, I feel pretty good. Yeah, I'm going outside. And so you go, you go outside and like, shouldn't have gone outside. You went to, oh, too far, too fast. Yeah. You uh, Because you want to, because you don't want to be, you yeah. don't want to have the flu. You want it to be done. Yeah, yeah. So you go, you take, yep, nope, this is going to be, I'm going to be fine. <laughs> and you go out and you, and you, and you yeah, make yeah. that your thing. And then uh, you're not realizing you're still kind of messed up. You're still, you're still messed up. 
And you got to acknowledge that and you got to cut yourself some slack. But but it's different levels too. I mean, most people's experiences are different than yours. Most people... Well, everyone's experiences are different. Yeah, everyone's so experiences are different. But most people have had to go to work, like leave their home and go to a job and deal with people. And, and you know, so they're not, they're not as, you know, they've already been exposed to a lot of this stuff, right? Right. But you don't, again, there's so much else in the mix, mm-hmm. you know, which is, you know... Did did those people who had to go to work, did they also have kids who, you know, uh, had all these schooling issues at the same time? Did they lose a parent? Did they lose someone? Mm-hmm. Did something happen? Like there's all these random yeah, I'm sure there are. Uh, yes, there's, uh, there's all those sort of things as well, for sure. Yeah. But I just, you know, I just, I just, you know, like, I, you know, I think I'm, I'm not saying there's not going to be issues. I think there will be. And I mentioned that, we, I don't know, a couple of shows ago, I just said it's sort of interesting to think of yeah. what the what the P, P, uh, post-traumatic PTSD sort of elements of this will be, like what, how those will come out. Uh, I think in the States, we're seeing it come out in a very, in a very violent way. People are really yeah. like, like letting their stress really override their emotions in a, in a, in a dangerous way. And not there's, in all cases, in some cases, you know, just depends. There's also yeah, there's stories the, where people are great. So, you know. I think, I think there's a thing now where uh, the phrase post-traumatic stress is is kind of uh, being being retired because uh, it's it, it puts it in the past and you're reacting to something that it doesn't exist anymore and so much of what people are going through is still here to a degree but to a lesser degree mm-hmm. so it's not it's it's like you know it's not the person who comes back from Vietnam and is now seeing flashbacks and you know it's like no you've got to still live in Vietnam for the rest of your life. You've still got to be, because you know that's the, that's the that's the way it is. But like, can you can can you do it? And what and what resources do you have? And you know, are you do you consider yourself weak for for feeling this way? You know, when everyone else had to go through it, everyone else dealt with it. You yeah. know, they seem to be dealing with it okay. Why? Are, what's your problem, buddy? <laughs> what makes you so special? Why do why, you why yeah. you got these? Uh, well, sure. Why are you, yeah. Why are you sad? That's that, that's a part of it for sure. But it's not just flashbacks from Vietnam. I mean, people people who came back from Vietnam were were losing their hair, were mm-hmm. suffering were suffering from um, you know, all, all these things that were were blamed on Agent Orange, you know, but but we're totally unrelated to that. We're just stress issues, you know? And so, um, I don't know why I brought that up. Cause now I forgot what my, my point was. Oh, memory loss is one. Of the <laughs> That's one of the signs. Oh yeah. no. Oh no. That's okay. Don't have to feel guilty. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I, was, I feel like I'm just going to say the same thing I said a little while ago. So I, I no, I'm no longer going to beat that poor dead horse anymore. That is all right. Run away, dead horse. Be free. Oh, you're dead. Okay. <laughs> Put just him, yeah, we'll put him on the there. back of this trailer. Run away, horse. <laughs> Be free. I'll just try try and kiss him a horse. See if you can bring him back to life. <laughs> oh, by the way, um, yeah, uh, Dave. Yeah. Uh, whose show is this one? Is this one yours or mine? This, this is, is four, yours. This is your show. Four, it's no, it's four ninety five. So it's no, it's four ninety six. Last week was four ninety five. What? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, oh my gosh. Okay, very good. Uh, sorry, you know why? Because someone commented, I think, on 494. Yes, Crystal uh, had a late comment. Ah, uh, that was that's why I always click on the thing to get it to the thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, in that case, Dave. Yeah. Let's start the show. That's about time. I've been waiting for you to say that for quite quite a while now. Now it's getting a little impatient.
to Sneaky Dragon, episode 496. I'm Ian Boothby. And I'm David Dedrick. I don't know why, but when we start these episodes lately, my throat is sore. I feel like I've been talking for a long period of time. <laughs> you are, you're, you're stress speaking. Yeah. No, well, luckily, I, uh, I got a new soda stream. So mm. I'm uh, enjoying some uh, some nice sparkling water okay. over here, and that is helping my throat. So it's uh, it's fun to just push the button and watch it go. Tss. Uh, do they break? Do they break? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Over time, okay. the one I the one I, I I I still have the other one, but I basically have to push it like a maniac and just ah, and it, it does work. Huh. But I remember using it um, and it impressing my niece and my nephew when they were young enough to be impressed by that kind of thing, <laughs> meaning it was a long time ago. And also huh. they were about a hundred bucks. So it's, it's, it's fine. It's worthwhile. Mm. And, yeah. Uh, Our, ours now, seems the seal doesn't seem to be the, quite the same. So when you like put it in and click it down and then press the, the button down, it seems to leak a little bit mm. around the, around the uh, bottle. So we may have yeah, to uh, move on. Get another one. It's fine. I'm, know, just gonna, I'm just getting the Slurpee machine. Hey, do it. That's what I'm going to do. All right, but don't get one of the cheapy ones. No, no, no. I'm going to get a full-size one that with four four different, uh, uh, you know, different outlets, whatever they're called, the different serv- serving serving places. Different, ser- different serving places. All right. That's, yeah. uh, that's fair, fair enough. I had a Slurpee uh, yesterday, by the way. Oh, did you? And uh, good? That was very good. And, and well-deserved. Uh, my, my regular flavor, which is grape and Pepsi. Grape is pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. And for some reason, I, I prefer Pepsi in Slurpee form to Coke. Yeah, they got to... I'm just looking at the cost of a, a good slushy machine. Okay. You, you, can get, you can get one of those, uh, like the ones you have at the um, at the movie theater. Mm. Like the one that's got the double... Yeah, double yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're not down with that, I understand. <laughs> but if, if that's the kind of thing you're going for, yeah, yeah. Uh, those run you... It, let me say, first I'll say the was price. Yes. Was... $4,900. Wow. It is yeah. uh, $3,800. Oh, it's on sale. It's on sale. I mean, you can't not afford it. No, no. That's almost 10% off. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah, I mean... Wait, I don't know what I'm talking... I can't do math, everyone. That was, that was totally wrong. Go, yeah, you could go out and buy 3,000 Slurpees and enjoy those. <laughs> or have this machine pay for the uh, syrups. Yes. And okay. also the maintenance and all the rest of it. And just watch your teeth fall out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's probably better that that Slurpees are hard for me to get. I mean, they're not hard for me to get, but it involves like it involves unless I get one on the way home. It, it involves like you know putting my shoes on, going outside, getting in the car, driving to the store or to the you know Seven Eleven, getting the Slurpee, then coming back home again. Ugh, so much work. So you know that's pretty much like how I remain reasonably thin is that I'm too lazy to get up and get food. Yeah, that is that is that is good. Because if I could get up and get food, I would eat all the time. But most of the time, I'm like, like I'm laying in my usual, like almost completely, well, supine, like reclined, insanely in the chair, which everyone comments on. So I'm reclined, you know, pretty much flat backed with my head, you know, at ninety degree angle against the back of the chair. It's my normal way of sitting. And I'm like, oh, I should get up and get some chips out of the cupboard. <laughs> and then I thought, that's a thought. And then like five minutes later, I'm like, oh, I should get those chips. Nah, I don't know. And then I just never do. So. Uh, the thought's there. So, you know, if I actually, like, acted on the thought, I would eat a lot more. But, the you know, I just can't be bothered to get to get out of the chair. So, and it's, right. in, my, in my defense, 
because of the w- weird way I sit, it's a lot of work trying to stand up. So that that's, you know, that's my only defense I have actually. And it's also just, I'm just really lazy. I can't bring myself. Once I'm sitting down in a chair, I just, why get up? You know, I feel bad that I told you the cost of the slushy machine without saying how much profit you can make a year off. Oh, wait a second. Yes. Let, let's, let's get that profit. You say yes yeah. to the, the profit you're going to be making. All right. Now I'm, now, these are going to be set up, you know, someplace that your friends and or customers would want uh, yeah. to, to think. Sure, sure. Uh, now, you're going to sell these for about $3. Fair enough. Okay. okay. Your flavoring cost is $0.26. Cents. Uh, if you're, if you're paying for a straw, $0.02. Cents. Okay. Your cup, $0.02. Cents. Yeah. That makes your total cost $0.36. Cents. Wow. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. your profit then, uh, $2.64. Sure. So let me tell you, Dave. Yeah. If you can sell 28 cups yeah. of slushy per yeah. day, per day, per day, and this sure. is a 250 milliliter cup, okay, your daily profit is going to be $74. You might not think that's a lot. Let me turn, let me turn that around for you. Yeah. Let me tell you what your weekly profit is. Sure. $444. It's pretty good. Well, that's, that's pretty good. You know yeah. what sounds better than that? What's that? Is $1,907 monthly profit. Wait, stop, stop, <laughs> yeah. stop. Yeah. What's the annual profit? $22,886. Wow, that's pretty good. Well, but it's bullshit because you <laughs> yeah. can sell 45 cups a day. Oh. Don't tell me you can't. <laughs> okay. That's a daily profit of $119. Yeah. And I am a daily profit, um, which uh, annual profit on that $36,780. Now, uh, are you not going to like buy this machine for $3,000? Do you want to say no? To thirty-six thousand dollars because I don't want to spend three thousand dollars. Of course not. You can't not afford this. Wait, how? I thought it was. I thought it was thirty-eight hundred dollars. Maybe it is thirty-eight hundred. You still can't not afford it. <laughs> well, you know what? I have to think about it. Oh well, oh, you got to talk to the missus, huh? <laughs> I do have to. I thought I was talking to a real man. This is a big expense. I got to talk to my wife about it. Oh, why don't you hire a bunch of women on your writing staff as well? <laughs> While you're at it. Do you think I want to hang around with a bunch of girls? Now, let me tell you something. I don't want cooties. You know when you're at the 7-Eleven, you see that coffee machine as you're leaving? It's got the hot chocolate. It's got all those nice flavors of cappuccinos. Can I I be honest with you? Yeah? I've never noticed it. Uh, Fantastic. It's so... Because I don't drink drink coffee, so I wouldn't even pay attention to it. You know why you can't see it? Everyone's standing around and filling their cups up. (laughs) Uh, and so that's, that's probably, probably. Money, that's money in the till. Yeah, yeah. That thing that's going to cost you thirty-two hundred dollars for one of those machines. But again, don't even start with me on yeah. how much profit that is. Sure, we're taking that straw budget. Yeah, fuck it. You don't have a straw with your cappuccino. Yeah, you just drink it out of the cup straight. Maybe put a lid on top if you want. If yeah. you're a sissy. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to burn my lap. Oh, my crotch is all burned. Yeah, maybe that's what you think. And you know what? If you burn your crotch, you know what you get? Two million dollars. There, it's all profit, no matter what. Um, I think I have to talk to my other wife about this. Okay, all right. Well, yeah, all right, fair enough. Listen, fella, I, 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 you're the nicest chic I've ever met. <laughs> chic. A vera <laughs> And so on. Now I was trying to find an actual industrial slurpy machine, but you, you can't. You gotta. I think the seven. I think the Seven Eleven ones belong to Seven Eleven, and they do not. Yeah. They do not license them out. They are strictly and you can't, for the You can't rent an icy machine. Mm. Mm-hmm. I love that song by Roger Miller. 
<laughs> you know that song. You can't rent an icy machine. You can't rent an icy machine. You can try, but you'll never get clean with an icy machine. It's kind of like you can't roller skate in a buffalo herd, but yeah. it's a bit different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this sounds like something I'd like to hear on a podcast. Is there any kind of podcast that would play, say, novelty songs that I could enjoy as a person? Well, sure. If you love novelty songs, and you, we did three different episodes. Well, more than three. We did six different episodes about novelty songs. And they're, you know what? About What's kind of fun about all those episodes? No. What, what's, what's fun about them? They're novel. You've never heard them before. Are you saying that the novelty episodes yes. are themselves yes. novelties? They are. They are actual... Uh-huh. They are novelties. And by the way... Sir, you just blew my mind! <laughs> and by the way, we just recorded our newest show this past week. And uh, it came out... Well, it came out on Thursday. And people are welcome to go to stinkydragon.com and take a listen to our newest episode where we discussed only eight songs. And uh, if you want to know why we only discussed eight songs in that episode... Well, I shouldn't say that, actually. I'm lying now. But we... We uh, covered eight songs in that episode, uh, covered an eight-song mixtape. If you want to know why, go check out that episode. Okay, I'm going to It's musical-licious. I'm going to assume it's because uh, uh, you're vaccinated and so now don't have any energy to do this because the vaccines have drained you so much. Nope. Nope. Mm-hmm. All right. You know what's kind of fun about that episode? Mary, Mary wasn't having the best week. Oh, she'd had, she'd had a bad week. Yeah, it was, she wasn't happy. She was in a very, very kind of dark place. But can I say she is one of the best people, and so I'm sorry that she was uh, having that kind of kind of week. Thank you. All right, and I'm just. But yeah, uh, yeah. Was, but what was fun about doing the show is that she, it really, you know, really kind of brought her out, and she was she was having having fun and laughing and stuff like that, you know. So that was good. That was nice. Oh, I'm really glad to hear that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was happy. I felt, you know, sometimes you know we have to do them because you know we're on a schedule and blah blah blah, and her dad's a tyrant. <laughs> but, but you know, I think it's 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 you know it's good for her to do it too. Like it's good for her to to have to do something and and uh, she enjoyed it. She was she's joking around and and uh, yeah, I think she appreciated doing it. So that was good. That made me happy. Good. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and folks, we're getting to near the end of sneaky regular listening party. So uh, get in, get in on the on the penthouse floor. And if anyone else wants to do a podcast about, uh, you know, uh, novelty songs or mixtapes or whatever, yep. do one. <laughs> and then right. go, uh, you're inspired by this one. <laughs> let, him, let him know. Yeah. But then he doesn't have to do it, and, but it still exists. For sure. Carry For on sure. a legacy. Carry on, my Carry on son. a legacy. Well, you know, we're going to, we have other plans here around the old, the old oh. Dedrick, Dedrick Ranch. Oh! Oh, okay. So your studio is called the Dedrick Ranch. No, our, my studio is called Stu Stu Studio. Oh, that's good. You know, because yeah. otherwise, I would I would suggest you call it the Chicken Ranch. <laughs> it, would, it would be good. Which you should because it's it's the name of something else. Okay, well, then I won't because I don't want to okay. steal it. No, uh, you would probably get some fellows coming over mm. uh, who have uh, got the wrong idea. Sure, sure, sure. And then, being a gentleman, <laughs> you would have to mm-hmm. <laughs> give him a t give a t shirt. I did for a while think about calling it the Skonk Works after the uh, the place where some people work in the, in, in uh, the Labner universe, but wow. that turned out to be the name of the Jet Propulsion Laboratory uh, testing area it was given the name the Skonk Works. So I thought, well, let them have it. I'll do something different. So it's Deuce Studio. Very nice. 
it's a yeah, it's a good uh, no, it's a good name. I'm uh, I'm all for it. Sure. I'm glad things are happening. I'm glad things are progressing. <laughs> things are always things are always progressing. How how are your chickens doing? Um, they're good. They're okay. they're right now. They're sitting on the steps. I just you just reminded me that I had not put them into their uh, chicken thing. It's getting the thing is uh, when I come out now because it's getting more and more summery out. It's yeah. it's lighter later, so I don't I feel guilty putting them into their chicken coop when it's still sunny out because I like them to to roam and romp about as much as they can. And so, but now they when as soon as it gets dark out, they go and they they roost on the stairs. So then I have to go up there and chase them down, put them in their house. Do uh, the for their own protection. Prefer, chickens prefer the summer. Do chickens prefer the summer? I think yeah. it depends. Like um, noisy was not a fan of the summer. She got really really. Uh, she really had a lot of uh, breathing problems when summertime came. Oh no! Because it was just too hot for her, and she was oh okay. She was uh, not a healthy chicken because she was a broiler broiler hen mm-hmm. who was outstaying her welcome. Because most oh, of them, okay. most of them have like a you know they're 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 bred and raised for for meat, and so they you know they have a limited lifespan before they 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 meet the knife and 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 carry on their journey through life, being turned into poo, and so. She, but, you know, to be fair, who yeah. isn't? <laughs> that's true. That's true enough. And so she, she, uh, she escaped the knife, of course. She won over the hearts of, of uh, Mary and, and Duncan. And so they could not bring themselves to, to you know, get rid of her. And so, and so um, you know, but so she lived longer than she should have. But she still was like not super healthy because, you know, she was kind of living past, past her prime. So she would, you know, she was really big. She was so fat because she was you know like she just had ginormous breasts because that was like part i guess that's how they're bred to like you know have like meat where we want the meat from you know so we want big breasts and all that stuff so like she had a lot of meat there she was really big but summertime was really hard for her and i think that's when she died actually i think she died in the summertime oh she just couldn't couldn't handle it she said the oh the heat she said it's not the humidity it's the heat and then she fell over (laughs) so yeah these guys, though, they're you know they're egg they're egg laying uh, chickens and they're bantam chickens, so they're really active. They're an active breed. They like to run around. They like to they can fly a little bit. One of them had her wings clipped when she got uh, taken to the animal shelter, and so because someone found her wandering around the neighborhood because she flew out of the, flew out of the yard, so they clipped her wings. So now she can't fly as effectively. She can still flap about, right? And and they like to hide their eggs, as you know. That's another sign that they're bantams. So I haven't gone on an egg search this week yet, so I, I have been meaning to go out and collect eggs. Because I imagine, judging from the noises I was hearing the other day, that the mechanical bucking sound of them laying an egg, just very odd. And I feel sorry. For, I just feel so embarrassed because it's just so ridiculous. And it's really loud, and all the neighbors can hear it. Aww. And the whole time I'm just like, oh, chickens. Don't get do you think it's trouble. an unpleasant sensation for them to lay eggs? Um, I, that's a good question. I don't know. I think the doesn't the egg come out kind of soft? I believe so. And yeah. then it hardens once it's, it hardens. Yeah. yeah. So you know, I mean, judging from the noise they make, it might be. But or they just are they are they doing like the chicken version of Lamaze? Yeah, because to me, it's like you know, nature usually figures out good ways to do things. And it feels to like a degree. Yeah, if you're a creature that is very, very vulnerable, mm-hmm. chickens are very vulnerable. And again, we bred them to be very. Yeah, I was just going to say they're not. They're not really. They don't really exist outside of our our. Uh, our I, I, here, I but, understood, yeah. but if you're a wild bird, 
Yeah. And when you lay your eggs, you make a big noise about those like, eggs are out, you know. <laughs> that seems to me a good way to get the predators going like, ah, mm, lunch. Yeah. You know, but you know, you'd want to like be all, mm, if they're going so far as to hide their eggs. Well, you'd think then, so, but I, I, I don't think that they, I mean, some, of the, some hide their eggs, but most don't. Mm. Most don't. Most have their eggs exposed, you know, to to uh, predators, and they try various ways. I mean, stu- the stupidest bird, the dum dum killdeer, which of course lays its eggs on the ground, and then when you get like near it, it fakes that it has a broken wing and wanders around like, oh, oh, my wing, oh, it's so sore. And then you go, I guess I'm hungry. I'm gonna go get that killdeer, and it's like, ha Now you're not gonna see my eggs. Oh, my wing. And, <laughs> and when you get close, it like f- kind of flaps away because it's lured you far enough away from the eggs. But they're like such dum dums. They like would lay their eggs in in riding rings, for instance. We, we always at the old. At um, Lisa's mom and dad's old place, every year, every summer, there uh, some killdeer would have their their nests in the ring, and when we go out there to do stuff, they would be like, you know, staging Hamlet, you know, oh, wow, oh, just don't pay attention to my eggs. Look the other way, to, look the other way. To buck or not to buck? <laughs> wow, you put enough chickens together, they raise Shakespeare. <laughs> they do. Buck, buck, buck. It's got a slightly different version. There you go. <laughs> By the way, the thing I sent you uh, was a. Uh, a thing for an icy machine you could buy at Indigo, which I think is the closest thing to a Slurpee. But then I just read the review for it. It was pretty. It was pretty brutal. It's a one star review. Oh so, really? Uh, yeah. You weren't going to get it anyway, but broke the second time we used it. So we ordered another. <laughs> that one broke the first time we used it. Wow! 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 wow. Recommended. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, yeah. When you look at the machine in the in the in the store, like it's it seems pretty. It's pretty elaborate, right? Like mm-hmm. it has like that corkscrew thing that's spinning inside that is constantly agitating the 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 stuff that's being frozen so that it doesn't freeze solid, but it still has to like be cold in there that it that it forms ice crystals. And so that you know that seems like a lot of moving parts working away there to do something. And then it uh, I'm just I'm looking up your thing that you sent me. I'm sorry, I should, probably oh, shouldn't okay. be doing this, but let me look at it. Oh yeah, an icy machine. Yeah. It's one of those kind. Yeah. Hmm. I believe, yeah, I believe Icy was the first. I think we've gone through this before. Uh, Icy was the first to do to, to this kind of slurpy type technology. Hmm. But this just looks like a blender. This looks like, you know, your slushy blender type business. You can, you can do better. You deserve better. Don't, don't do this. Don't cheapen it for yourself. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm looking at, uh, I'm looking at Spider Woman. Okay. To know her is to fear her. Love that song. Yeah. Love, love that song by the teddy bears. To know, know, know her is to fear, fear, fear her. And uh, I have the same feelings about this. Uh, yeah, about but her eyes are clearly Spider-Man eyes. I guess. I don't, yeah, I don't like it. Davis eyes. I don't like it. Okay. Maybe it's well. that triangle above them that's off-putting. And then and then the, she has that kind of widow's peak uh-huh. in her hair. I don't like that. And then in this drawing, her fingers are abnormally long and kind of creepy. Yeah, no, I don't like it. Okay, well, that's I, I respect that. That's fine. <laughs> Those are my feelings about Spider Woman. That's okay. That's okay. You're I fine. say what I feel. I hold nothing well, back. Well, then I'm going to uh, ask you for your feelings on another thing, then, uh, which is uh, Dave. Yeah. Uh, this is usually about the time of the show. Oh. Where where we? Uh, where, I don't, if you're not prepared for this, you don't have I, to. Do I'm, it. Yeah, I just going to say I did not watch any Dark Shadows this week. Well, that's fine. Sorry, then, uh, that Sorry case, everybody. 
All right. In that case, we've got to make up a Dark Shadows episode <laughs> to fill this hole. Okay. okay. So what happened where we last left Barnabas? Was he being turned back into a vampire? Oh, man. He could be. What happened last time we saw him? Wasn't... Uh... I can't remember where we left off last time, actually, because I've watched a little ahead of where I where I okay. where I talked so, last time. I need right, to find. Well, I, I watched. Uh, I watched uh, ahead this week, so let me just tell you what happened. <laughs> Did time. you watch ahead? It was a bit of a I'm bold. Glad you're watching. Yeah, it was a bit of a bold move uh, because they abandoned most of the plots they had, and I think yeah, that's, it was just. I think that's coming anyway, but yeah, okay. Yeah, I think I think people just were like really space crazy <laughs> because uh, NASA shows up oh. and says we need an astronaut. Okay, and and no one's no one's game for it, and then uh, the, they say, and we'll we're willing to pay anything. Yeah, and then Barnabas all of a sudden has dollar signs in his eyes, yeah. and he goes cha-ching. Yeah, this will let me buy all the blood I want. Sure. Um. So he goes, I'm your I'm your man. Yeah. Um. And so yeah, it's all basically like astronaut training, and <laughs> sounds and like a really expensive episode for for this show. No, because NASA uh, wanted knew that Barnabas was hot, so ah. they well, we can use all of our shit for for free. And I was like, oh, that's great. And so for the most part, they used real astronauts. I see. And, and they no actors, so they didn't have to pay them because they were all on salary. Uh, and so it's like uh, it's like a right stuff thing, but like the astronauts that are better than Barnabas, he drinks their blood. Yeah. And we, and so they're no good. And so he ends up getting sh- uh, shot into space. Um, to go to uh, the moon, <laughs> right? Yep. Okay. But he's there with another uh, astronaut. Yeah. Now, here's the twist. Okay. At the end of it. I'm ready for the twist, yeah. yeah. And again, it's a, it's a really good twist. And you can probably see this twist coming. Sure. Because this is, this is another astronaut, and this astronaut's uh, name is, uh, is uh, uh, Jack Terrier. And you you think you think like you know, they become best friends yeah you know, bond. yeah and then as they get close to the moon and that full moon appears yeah uh, he turns into a werewolf oh and it's like oh no now the vampire and the werewolf are both going to the moon and they don't get along at all and that's where they end the episode <laughs> okay okay do vampires yeah. and werewolves not get along oh I guess no, they don't get along. I guess we the underworld has established that I'm sorry I forgot yeah like anything I I think like I can't think of a situation where. Uh, the werewolf, like at least initially, like they might be like, you know, uh, you're teaming up with the werewolf, and like I don't want to team up with the werewolf, and it's like it's that or you can't be a, a vampire cop. And it's <laughs> like, oh, all right, you know, turn in your fangs and badge. But you know, so they so they're on their way to the moon, and and because it's like a full moon all the time, yeah, you know, he's always going to be like uh, just going nuts as a werewolf. <laughs> Super hard for for them to like do their shit, yeah, when they're up there. And and worse, um, Barnabas has to stay on the dark side of the moon because uh, of the sunlight situation. Yeah, yeah, and he's also a Pink Floyd fan. Oh, he's a, oh, I didn't mention that. Yeah, Roger Waters is also uh, sent up because <laughs> right. he, he's supposed to write a song. Okay, and both of them uh, like yeah. turn to turn to him. Yeah, and at, like at the very end, right? First of all, he turns into a werewolf, and then Barnabas goes, "Oh boy!" Big rolling his eyes. Yeah, and then uh, and then they both turn to Roger Waters, who's looking stunned. Sure, the werewolf looks at him, and he turns into a stake. <laughs> and then uh, and then Barnabas looks at him, and he turns into a bag of blood. Yeah, yeah. And it says, uh, "Oh, universal donor <laughs> on it." And then both of them are just licking their chops. Yeah, yeah. and then they roll the credits. And you're like, "What's going to happen tomorrow?" <laughs> yes. The episode will be titled "Wish You Were Here." Mm-hmm. 
So wish you wish oh. you were wish you where. <laughs> Uh, a funny little thing. I, this is something I read. Um, you sent me a little while ago a link to a a, a website that was talking, or a, pa- a blog site that was talking about uh, the appearance of dark of dark shadows in a kind of like cracked or crazy kind of magazine. Yes. Like and and I, when I discovered that website, I, well, I was reading it the other day, and it, it's full of fun trivia. Like, uh, like what? And the guy does like a, every day. He he does like one episode. Of, like, I mean, he was doing this. In the past, like I think the the site is has ended as far as being a regular thing, but he has you know he did four, fourteen hundred and whatever blog entries all 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 on on this show uh, every day. He talked about an episode a day. But one of the interesting things he was tell, saying was that the first appearance of Barnabas as a vampire. So there's there's a scene we've talked about on the show where he's comes in at night into Maggie Evans' room and he's looming over her bed and he opens his mouth to reveal his fangs. But the problem was is that the actor, uh, Jonathan Freed, had put in the fangs upside down <laughs> accidentally. And when he, when he smiled to show his fangs, it just looked like a weird smile because his teeth looked normal because the fangs were upside down and hidden. And so uh, I thought that was kind of amusing. And then it also he was telling another time there was an episode. See, the problem, one of the things is because I don't watch it, well, I'm just listening to it for the most part. I do look up every once in a while, but I'm not like watching it the whole time. And so there was an episode apparently where there was a scene upstairs at the old house and then it cut downstairs and the actors literally had the script out and were looking at it <laughs> on camera. And the one actor had to quickly whip it behind his back. Which is pretty amazing. Now, to be fair to the actor, to be fair to the actors, at this time, the sh- the the cast of the show had gone out on strike in in support of a, a of AFTRA. I guess it's as a some union, and so they went out for a support of some of their members in the, in this union were going on strike. I think news news readers or something like that, and so then they went on strike, you know, in sympathy. But because they had done that, the show was now six weeks behind, and so they had to they had to shoot six days a week. And the only reason they didn't shoot seven days a week is because their cameras needed to be used by Wide World of Sports on Saturday. But every other day of the week, they recorded every day. They recorded maybe two or three shows every day. And they're also filming them out of order because they needed to, you know, uh, make use of time as much as possible. So that, so if they had the sets set up for the shots, they would shoot those scenes that were using that set, e- even if it was for a different show. Mm. Um, but not, but they still had to film the whole episode though. Right. So every, cause it, there's no like editing in the episode. So, you know, which I also find very fascinating because it's really like a play. So, like, you know, if there's an actor, like, they're talking about uh, an actress having a dream sequence in the show. And so what they had to do was have a double uh, in bed. So they start off with her in bed. She's rolling around. Then they cut, to, you know, they cut in some way. And then when they cut back to her, she is no longer in the scene. It's, an, it's a, her double in the bed who's with her back to us. Ah. And then so the actress has time to get to the dream set. So then she can start her dream set stuff. And so then she's there. And in the dream in the dream, she's like kind of wandering through a, a foggy, you know, set. And then she finds this coffin and she opens it up and she's laying in the coffin. So, of course, what they did there is they just had like a, a still shot that they used just use as an insert. So she sees this. And then because they needed the actress to still travel, you know, they couldn't have her like uh, be 
too actively part of the scene. So they just used a pre-recorded scream when she sees this herself in the coffin. And it's a really blood-curdling blood blood <laughs> scream. And it goes on for a really long time because then it cuts to her looking at this coffin and her face is now a, a skull. But, but the, see, now the double who was doubling her in bed has come over and she's holding the skull up to her face while this scream is being played so that the actress has time to zip back into bed so she can wake up in, in, in terror. <laughs> it's just really fun, right? Like that kind of stuff. It's like, ah, oh, interesting. So, you know, like often actors will be acting to someone who wasn't there yet because they needed to come from another part of the, the stage. And so then when they show up, then the camera, you know, cuts to them or their reaction or whatever. And so it's just, it's really interesting. It's basically like a filmed play, you know? So, and, you know, when things happen, like, you know, people knocking things over or the set catching on fire or the actors reading the script on camera, it's just carry on. But to defend the show as well, like this guy points out in one of his write-ups, he says, he's just showing like this shot. And it's like all the actors in the scene are like, it's super dramatic. It's got lots of shadows in the sh- in the shot. It's staged in such a way that they're all they're all at different depths, but it's all it's all in focus. And they point out like that was all done, you know, on the on the spot, you know, and it was done quickly because they were filming every day. And then he showed like he said, I this guy said I watched a show, a 1967 episode of General Hospital just out of curiosity, and he said it was so slow. And there's a scene where it's just a locked off camera for two and a half minutes with the actors walking in front of it back and forth. And he said, but on Dark Shadows, because it was just, there were such maniacs who were running the show, they went to all this trouble of setting up, you know, atmospheric shots and, and all this stuff, you know, to make it interesting and make it work, you know, and which, you know, could be, be a disaster if things didn't work out. Sometimes you get a camera whirling through the air trying to figure out where it's supposed to be focusing, you know, when the director, act, you know, cuts there and the camera's not ready for it. But other times you get these really interesting shots. So, you know, you just, you, you kind of have to take the good and take the bad, I guess. Um, it is. It is an interesting. Uh, it is an interesting show. I, I got to say, it's. Uh, I can see why people find it fascinating and are willing to buy a hundred and thirty-one box uh, set of DVDs. Uh, frankly, I think it's crazy, but there are people out there who are who are nuts for it. Mostly people who watched it when they were younger. You know, like apparently it was like a. Uh, it was fairly regularly shown on PBS stations in the early eighties, mm-hmm. and so that kind of created a whole new fan base for it. Of people of that of that generation, teenagers of that generation, who I guess I was a teenager of that generation, but we ne- I never saw it, so I never, or even if I had, I probably, it might have been too slow and not interesting to me at that age. I'm more interested in now. This is sort of this weird cultural phenomenon, you know, because it is it is cuckoo. It's cuckoo. It sounds like it'd be yeah, an interesting thing to uh, to shoot. It was reminding me when you were talking about like how not taking second takes or what yeah, have yeah, you. yeah. Um, it used to be this, and this is. There's no vampire connection here at all. <laughs> sure. But it was kind of a soap opera yeah. that ran uh, for like two years. Uh, do you ever see a show called Train Forty Eight? No. It was a show. Uh, it was a Canadian show. Yeah. And it, it starred uh, the fellow who's the lead guy from Kim's Convenience. Okay. Um, and a bunch of other Canadian actors. And so the idea was, it was a train, and it was uh, it was a railway car. Going from Toronto to Burlington, Ontario. Okay, sounds, and every night that sounds like a ter- that sounds like a horror movie. It, it, as someone who lived in Burlington, Ontario, uh, you're not wrong. <laughs> and I did just live there for six months, but I lived there for six months when I was about ten. Okay, so it was a twentieth of my life. <laughs> um, but they would get uh, plot lines 
and they'd have to get the plot points you have to say, uh, but then they'd improvise a lot of it too because they couldn't write it in time. Mm. Uh, so you know, and so we just follow these conversations in the soap opera that would take place on the train, and and this was on every night. Yeah, and uh, and I'm looking at the budget here. Uh, each 30 minute episode costs uh, forty thousand dollars Canadian. And at a typical audience of about 200,000 to 300,000 viewers a night. And yeah, it ran for a couple of years. And it was based on, I think, like an Australian. Yeah, it was an Australian program called Going Home. Okay. And uh, and yeah, it was like, but again, if you want to see like things not making sense and people saying the wrong thing. <laughs> and, then, and then someone coming up, wait, did you mean, you know, yeah, there was yeah. a lot of that because they would not reshoot nothing. Yeah. So, you know, if you called a character by the wrong name, guess what that character's name is now for the rest of the series. <laughs> well, the one, but the wonderful thing about something like that is that you can retcon it too quite easily. So if you want to make changes on the fly, like something I noticed today was that, which I didn't remember, because you don't remember these things. Like the uh, Dr. Julia Hoffman, who's been a really major character throughout the show, was introduced as a character, like an off-camera character, by the doctor who called called him Dr. Julian Hoffman and talked about bringing him the, the blood samples for him to look at. Mm. And then a month later, when they finally introduced this doctor, it was now a woman, a woman doctor named Julia Hoffman. But you don't remember, you don't remember like what happened a month ago because it's just so much stuff that's happened in between then that by the time you get there, you're like, oh yeah, they were talking about this doctor before, but you don't remember the details. So it's so easy to like quickly you know, kind of sweep, sweep that stuff away. Like no one remembers that. I think that was a thing too, where you had say Luke and Laura and it was a general hospital. I think that's right. Okay. And so you had Luke and Laura and they had their big wedding and it was huge ratings and stories went on. Yeah. And you think like, well, if you just watch the shows every day, you don't remember how they met. Yeah. You don't remember any of this stuff. Yeah. But then as you know, everyone's got VHS tapes and they're selling like the best of episodes and whatever. It's just like, yeah, yeah. Um, Wasn't he a kidnapper or something? He sexually assaulted her. Okay. That's how they met. Like, to be blunt, he was her rapist. Yeah. And then they fell in love. And then they had a nice romantic wedding, and they're the perfect married couple. And the, the, well, that all worked out. And it was like, ooh, they had to address that. Yeah, yeah. But they wouldn't have if it was like, I know, you just watch an episode a day, who remembers what? Yeah, yeah. Didn't this happen? I don't know. And there's no way of knowing. So, you know. We're just moving forward. La, 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 la. You're right. I mean, that, and yeah, that had to be their attitude to it too. I mean, their attitude had to be my favorite aphorism, which is "It's not just good; it's good enough." You know, like we just, you know, time to shoot. We got to go. We don't have time to worry about this stuff. Like to me, I look at something like a Coronation Street. Yeah. And just go, okay. So say you just you you're starting writing for that show. How much do you have to know? <laughs> like, well, I, I assume that you don't have to know anything. You know, because you have people, you have script supervisors and, and script editors and stuff like that whose job is to, to know that for you. And you're just being assigned, you're being assigned a storyline to write to, right? So, you know, you have your Bible of characters and then you just, you just write, you know? Yeah. And, you know, in a, you know, a show like that, that has a pretty big budget, I imagine. I mean, it's obviously edited and it's not, it's not as, you know, you know, it has a budget. Like, you know, the thing about Dark Shadows, which is, also fun is just how low budget it was. It was did not have a big budget, even at its yeah. most even at its most successful. It still had to limit how many people could be on the show. So they would quite often use stand-ins for an actor during in the week if they didn't need to show their face. They would just have someone else like standing behind, you know, looking the other in the opposite direction. But they wouldn't have the actor on the show that week, and that way they didn't have to pay them. 
You know, they just had wow. to pay, they just had to pay a stand-in. It was just a way to save money because you know, the more money you could cut corners on here, you might be able to be you could have like a fun Frankenstein lab later on. You know, like so you have you have to you have to you have to fight your battles or you cut your corners where you can and be thrifty, and then you, you can have some fun with it too. So yeah, it's 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 because it's kind of fun. It's sort it's sort of the triumph of imagination over over everything. That's what Dark Shadows is. It's why it's interesting to me. It's just that that triumph of of let's just do it. Let's just fucking do it. You know, they're going to cancel us. Let's put a freaking vampire on this soap opera. <laughs> it's an afternoon soap opera. We're going to have a vampire, you know, and we're, it's not going to be a long, it's not going to be long. We're only going to do it for 10 weeks. And then we're going to have this Van Helsing style doctor kill him. And then when it moves to uh, late night, they're like, we got to get rid of this vampire. We got to run a mainstream show. And that's, the end of the show. <laughs> that's right. We don't no, want to be the same anymore. Yeah, nice. no, no, we can't. We got to take it serious. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to have a talk show hosted by a mummy. <laughs> hey, mummies can't talk. What? No, this was a mistake. This was a mistake. Well, that's okay. Neither can Jay Leno. It's fine. <laughs> How about that eye of Ra? Huh? You ever have your heart uh, measured on a scale and, uh, with a feather? I, I ate a cheeseburger. <laughs> yeah, so on and so forth. Poor guy. I, uh, that's something uh, I should watch, actually. Or, or is, there must be a supercut of Jay Leno appearances on early David Letterman shows. That'd be fun. Um, That'd be fun to watch. I'm going to tell you. Yeah. The material I don't think holds up, but the energy really does. I guess it's that's what it was. Because when I think the one thing I think about is like, oh man, he talked a lot about Star Trek, which is something I don't really care about. Oh, he talks about anything. Yeah. And it didn't matter. Like the material is just, huh. What's like, you, like what's, burn, just, what's burning you up this week, Jay? Or, yeah, yeah. I just see a guy. Yeah, it's like okay. It's just and it's the simplest <laughs> stuff, you know. But it's just like they like each other and they're having a good time. Yeah, that's what that's what really makes it work for sure. Uh, and that's what like makes that. like the Sander Bernhardt thing work too. Is like he is really charming with her, you know. And it gets even better when she learns like how to to bug him, you know, and to to do her like you know sultry vixen character and mm-hmm. and really like turn on the turn on the eyelashes and you know he just blushes and <laughs> look away and yeah it's just great it's great do you think it would do you think it would work if you had uh like say on letterman's new netflix show mm. if he had jay leno on or would they just have to like you know be the old married couple who's talking about why the breakup occurred and like ugh. You don't want to see that, but you you know just like just just them. you just want it you want it to be like like the old days like him no, coming on and say I'll take where they are now yeah yeah you know but just like you both now with your skill sets now as comedians now yeah what's bugging you now I don't <laughs> need you to pull out a TV guide because it doesn't exist yeah yeah I get that yeah yeah but like you both now hopefully you've gotten way better at what you do yeah now now just talk and don't go. You know, I wanted the job. Because who fucking cares? Both jobs are gone now. <laughs> That's long since gone. Yeah. Like, you might have both been in love with the same beautiful lady, but she's now ashes. Yes. So, you know, what's it? As they say, that train has sailed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's it's fine. Yeah. You know, and just and just see the two of them, you know, yip-yapping. That would, sure be, that would sure be interesting. It's fun when David Letterman was doing that show with someone who doesn't care about him you know mm-hmm. like i like the episode i think it's with lizzo and they're at her house and they're and she's enjoying that he's there but she, you know who is he to her 
Mm-hmm. Like you know, that's it's just the the wrong generation. Like that, you know, like there's no there's no uh, hero worship there. Or no, there's you know, no neediness. Yeah. yeah, there's no like, oh, it's David Letterman. I used to watch him when I was a teenager. No, she's just like this is some old guy with a beard in my house, and he's a nice guy. And you know, we're doing a show, and I'm promoting myself and whatever. But but it's fun because it's it's she's obviously enjoying herself. She seemed it seems very sincere the the, the episode and and seems like you know he's very he's very open to her and he's very very friendly and very kind you know and obviously and as far as you can tell and he likes her a lot uh, you know and he seemed like he seems like a kind of like a friendly grandpa or something but it's just kind of fun and she gets him to rap and think you know and it's 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 fun and and yeah I prefer that to someone who comes on and they're you know and they're they're um, I haven't seen the Tina Fey one. I should watch that one actually, because I mean, mm-hmm. you've got me curious now. I do like the idea that she criticized. It's him. really, it's really the only time she kind of like does that. But mm-hmm. you know, they—he clearly respects her. And yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't fun. do that. The whole interview can't be like uh, this kind of confrontation. That would be that. No, would, that I, would be much fun both to watch. Funny people yeah. just be, you know, yeah, yeah. talk about shit and yeah. he'll. Yeah. You know. Again, I, it's it's interesting. He's basically doing a podcast, like. He is, you know, yeah, he's yeah, looked, for sure. He's aware of what this is, he's seen what this is, and he's doing it, which is great. Yeah, yeah. You know, a nice long thing. I mean, he's got an audience, which I don't necessarily think is needed. Yeah. But, you know, he's got an One thing I do like is it feels like the audience didn't know who the guest was before <laughs> the guest shows up, which yeah. I like a lot. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's yeah. good. I can see that. That's good. No hardcore but it, fans. But, I mean, that's like it used to be when he did Late Night with David Letterman. You know, there's a there's a common thing, right? Where he would be like, and tomorrow night we have uh, Madonna coming on the show. Oh, what wasn't the show good enough? You know, stuff like that, right? So yeah, I really <laughs> listen. You get out of here. Yeah. Hey, Harvey Picard stormed off. Yeah, but it was good, right? It was interesting. Yeah, but Madonna. Yeah, that's a fair point. <laughs> We've got Brother Theodore. What do you want? <laughs> No, I gotta see that Lizzo one now. It got me. Uh, it got me interested. Yeah, it's fun. It's really. It really is fun. Like it's. Uh, she's. She's very. She's very nice, and she's and uh, and she gets to be enthusiastic about what she likes, and he's very interested in what she likes. You know, like it's just, It's fun. Like it's a good conversation because you know what's good. What I like about it is is it's taken away the need for him. Like especially doing these episodes where he's just in other people's homes because they can't have we can't have uh, COVID. Uh, because of COVID, we can't have like a theater crowd watching an interview, so there's no no need to play to an audience, you know. So it's just a different feeling kind of situation. Um, I did also I did like the Dave Chappelle one, although that one wasn't for an audience. But what was interesting there was it was a Dave Chappelle audience and not a Letterman audience. Oh, how so? Well, because it was at it was uh, at Dave Chappelle's farm or at a friend's farm, and they had set up a stage there, and so it was uh, neighbors of Dave Chappelle had come to watch David Letterman interview David Chappelle. And so they're sitting, the audience sitting there, and they're all wearing masks, and they're sitting, it's outdoors. Yeah. And, you know, Letterman and Chappelle are on stage, but it's not a Letterman audience, it's a Dave Chappelle audience, and it's a Dave Chappelle audience in the sense that it's his friends and neighbors who come to see him, see him talk. So it's just a really different feeling, right? It's not, you know, it's not like a, it's not, it's not a paying audience, you know know what I mean, right? I like that uh, when comedians, or like when when you know your proper billionaires get rich, they immediately <laughs> are like, uh, "I got to go to space." And uh, when comedians get like really rich and yeah. famous, I need a farm. <laughs> like, they immediately sign up and Letterman. But I mean, depends. Like, yeah, but yeah, it... gotta, gotta grow some wheat. Yeah, I gotta tend the soil and Mother Earth. I mean, that's not all comedians, but definitely no, like m- definitely I mean, mid. Not that many 
arms. Definitely Midwest comedians. You know, you got a tight five acres. Yeah. Go. Let's see what you can do with it. You All can, right. You can see where you can see in their upbringing what was valuable in that upbringing. Sure, and that sure. was to have land, and you know, and to farm it. I guess you know. I mean, I feel I feel what it is, and this is just my guess. Sure. And and, and I may just be repeating what you just said. In this, in <laughs> Please repeat what I just said in a different way. In my in, in a different way, yeah. yeah. It's like um, when things get okay. When, when you're starting off like as a comedian, you're kind of the contrarian. You've got a point of view, mm-hmm. but you're fighting against whatever the big thing is. Yeah, you know, you yeah. Against it. Then you become the thing. Yeah. And you're the thing. And it's like, things are surreal now. What am I talking about? You know, uh, and so you need something that's grounded and real and has nothing to do with this. And that's, I don't know, planting something in the ground. The ground doesn't care if you're famous or rich or anything. Yeah. The ground's real. Or, or dirt smells like it's a smell. Sure. Go there and you're all of a sudden grounded and you're solid and things are real when your life becomes completely surreal <laughs> with showbiz. So, yeah, yeah, I can see why you go to a farm for sure. Makes 100% sense. Going to space, I think it's like that's raw ambition. <laughs> and it's like, where can my ambition go? There's nothing left for me on Earth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, you must go to space. I will. Yeah. Goodbye. And off you go. It's a different, yeah, it's a narcissism that's a little different than what. Yeah. And the other so, thing, like. Look- back down to Earth. I've got to get away from Earth. It's the opposite. Yeah. With Dave Chappelle, he lives in a in a small community where his his dad taught at the university. You know, mm-hmm. and so he grew up, he kind of spent, his parents were separated, but he spent summers in this town. And I guess, the, you know, when he's talking with Letterman, he's talking about the history of the town. And I guess it was a very uh, integrated town, like surprisingly integrated city or small town for the times, you know, for whatever time it was in. You know, so it ha- it has, you know, a white and black population that had a black college there where his dad taught, you know, so... You know, you can see that he has like an affection for this town and for its history as well. Its history of acceptance, you know. And so there he is, uh, making jokes that offend people. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and saying, you know, and kind of talking against the COVID thing and, uh, you know, going like, yeah, it's not that dangerous. And then gets it. Did he get gets it? it from, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like he was hanging oh, out with Joe Elon Musk and oh, Brian. those idiots. They aren't there in masks. And there's a nice picture of them on Instagram while hanging out. Yeah. And it's just, and people are like, what are you doing? <laughs> you can't do that now. It's like, ah, it's all fine. And then uh, tick, 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 uh, COVID. Oh, dear. Come yeah. On. It was, he was on, he was doing kind of a comedy tour yeah. where it was talking against it. Like, it's, you know, mm. not that big a deal. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he got it. I was like, hey, this is a big, big bit of a deal. <laughs> but he also, yeah, he's, oh, he's done some material on it, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. But like you say, that's part of being a, a comedian. It's being a contrarian, and so part of that is you know just you have to take the opposite you gotta, side. You got to look at it. Yeah, you got to you got to catch the disease if it's out there. <laughs> people are saying protect yourself. I was watching an, I, I was watching a news report today, and it was talking about this. These people were out on a lake. I think it was a lake in Washington, and they were celebrating Pride Week, and they were flying a rainbow flag. And I guess another boat started circling them and <laughs> yes. yelling yelling homophobic comments there's, 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 the bird, there's yeah, yeah film of the, the girl you know reclining in the back of the boat get, flipping the bird and then and then in the midst of all this circling this boat and yelling at them their boat caught on fire they're jumping in the water and then they get saved by this boat man i wish the only thing that they lack was you know them going to the people saying are you sure you feel comfortable getting on a gay boat okay, they didn't i'm gonna say we're burning we're burning yeah, 
Yes, a couple other things. Yeah, you needed you needed the um, curve your enthusiasm music. It's funny we had just watched because they do that on YouTube now, right? Oh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> Two, yeah. you need the people in the boat, the gay boat. Yeah, that's not a gay boat just because they're gay people. Yeah, no, no, the boat, I, they were just. I, I'm just joking. Like, I mean, yeah, the boat, uh, the boat, yeah. you know, has its own orientation. Yeah, it's um, own thing. and and so uh, you don't know the people who were in the boat who were being yelled at by the homophobes. Yeah, uh, should have yelled then. Who's flaming now? <laughs> the other thing. <laughs> Yeah, oh it's, it's, it's great, and it, it was just like, and then and then you see the name of the boat that just comes up to the surface, it's like the SS Karma. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> it's a bitch. Yeah, it's yeah. A, it really is a bitch. Anyway, you <laughs> just like okay, that's a great scene of them ha- picking yeah. the people up, yeah. scooping open the boat, but just like yeah, that's all well and good. Now keep the cameras rolling, and let's see the conversations. As you are on the boat, yeah. As you go to shore, this is what I want now. Yeah, I was wondering that too. Like, I was. Do they they, they just sit there awkwardly fuming at the at their misfortune, or did they uh, did they like, or did they become friends and they'll find some acceptance? You know, it would be funny if like they went by like another boat. You know, that was like some sort of minority group that's going by, and they start flipping the bird to them as well. They've totally not learned their lesson. These yeah. people that are in the boat. Yeah, I think. Go ahead. Oh, sorry, sorry. I was just thinking. I, I, I don't. I can't remember now the whole story, and I'm, so I'm, I'm just going to twist it in a way that will make everyone mad at me. But Please I was do. listening to a radio show, and I was talking to this man. And I think he was a Sikh man whose temple had been attacked by by white nationalists in the states, and you know there was a shooting there. And but this guy made a point of the Sikh man made a point of befriending white supremacists, and so. You know, he just made this point of like reaching out to them and talking with them. And I'm sure not all of them, but a lot of them became his friends and kind of renounced their, their, their you know, their previous thoughts on race and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. so I'm just thinking, I'm, ho- I'm wondering, maybe I'm hoping in this boat scenario that these people learned a lesson that, that, you know, people are humans and we're all pretty much the same and, you know, get over yourself. So. But who yeah, knows? And, who and knows? Can we all can we all just unite together <laughs> yeah. against rich fuckers with boats? <laughs> well, they're both rich fuckers with boats. That's what I'm saying. They're both rich fuckers <laughs> okay, with boats. Okay. We should be against all of them. <laughs> We're they're well, the enemy. Everyone shoot. there. As someone who goes and regularly enjoys his brother-in-law's boat at a at a lake oh. during the summer, I I don't know if I can get on board this. I can get on board his boat, but I can't get on board your boat. All right, fair enough. Well, then maybe I should just read some letters then. <laughs> That's an idea. All right. Um, last week on the show, if you remember, uh, we asked questions and you answered them. Ooh. The questions were, has there ever been a time when you've uh, maybe had something that you shouldn't or uh, some something you normally wouldn't all to yourself? Mm. And, and also then, and Dave, yeah, you did this really common thing of like, uh, a dessert bracket. You, you were pitting uh, donuts and cupcakes. Yeah. Is the first bracket. Yeah. Ice cream cone and sundae. Second bracket. Yeah. Pie and cake. Uh, third bracket. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, cheesecake. Uh, which you're, I guess you're not counting as cake. I don't know why you're not counting. Yeah, I know. I feel it's slightly and different cookies. than cake. Yeah, you know what? I think you're in the pocket of big cheesecake factory. <laughs> cheesecake factory and, is big. Have you seen their menu? 
It, oh my gosh! Yes, it is. It is bigger than the Bible. <laughs> it's yeah. it literally bigger than the Bible. We That's are true. reading from the book of appetizers, <laughs> and lo, the matzo sticks. They did begat. <laughs> Blooming onions. <laughs> um, okay, uh, I get, and I know, I know, the blooming onions only at Outback Steakhouse. I know, I know. It should have begat the chicken fingers. I understand. Yeah. Okay. Great. You got a menu in front of you, big man. Anyway, Louise writes, uh, something I had all to myself. The first year I worked in Halifax, I rented an apartment in a building that had an indoor pool and sauna. The sauna, or sauna, I know. You can I've say got, sauna. I've got a Finnish wife, and Louise is part Finnish. i got to say it. Right. The <laughs> sauna oh, brother. was on a timer, yep. so I turn on the heat, then go for a swim, so the sauna would be hot by the time I got back to it. I never, uh, I never saw anybody else when I was using them. The sauna oh, was warm before I got there maybe once. It sounds like a swanky setup, but the pool was dimly lit and the sauna was tiny. So it had the ambiance of the opening scene of a police procedure, procedural. Damn it, I worked so hard on sauna, I choked on procedural. Oh, Just boy. before the, the killer strikes. Yeah. Oh, damn it. And... Uh, <laughs> Halifax is creepy anyway, so, yeah. Sorry about your joke, Louise. Sorry about that. Um, it, was, it, was a, it was a solid joke, and you wrote many a solid joke while you were in Halifax. Uh, I, shared, I shared a building with Louise in Halifax when we were all working on Street Sense together. I don't think the sauna was in that building, though. Is that, was that the building you're talking about, the Lord Nelson? Let me know. I still have dreams about that building. It was uh, odd. Um, Mick writes, I was obsessed with photography as a teenager back in the pre-digital age, and I loved developing my own photos. Uh, my school had a fantastic dark room, but access to it was limited and usually full of other students goofing around. <laughs> so on Friday afternoons, I used to secretly leave one of the windows unlocked. Then on the weekend, I could ride my bike up to the school and secretly sneak into the dark room so I could have it all to myself. These are all sounding like the start of murder mysteries. <laughs> Sometimes I would be there all day developing photos and enjoying the uninterrupted creative solitude with a hint of criminality. <laughs> this is all before uh, schools had security fences and CCTV cameras. Definitely some of the best uh, memories of high school right there. That's cool. Uh, yeah, that does sound, uh, that does sound good. Boy, creepy for the janitor if, uh, you know, there's someone in the dark room uh, developing photos. Then, of course, the thing to do, though, of course, is you've got to take photos secretly of all of the janitors and then have those have those there at the ready. And then when the janitor walks in and goes, what's going on? You just hold up the photo of them and go, it's ready for you. Uh, really creep them out. Then, you jump, then when he turns around, you jump out the window. It's like, well, it's a ghost. Uh, Lisa writes... Uh, uh, a time I had something to myself that I normally wouldn't, uh, although the mid part of my teaching career, I spent uh, over a decade as student uh, council advisor, which also involved going to a four day long weekend conference full of hundreds of very exciting, screaming and cheering teenagers. I now have fond memories of those days, but at the time, I recall it often being a bit much for my poor old ears. Anyway, the advisors from the different schools had to share rooms to keep costs down, and we were randomly assigned our roommates. One year, the conference took place at a resort that featured natural hot springs and, uh, and is well-known for all its various pools. Not only did I get to spend the weekend in this lovely environment, Byron, 
I guess, meant. Uh, but somehow, I also lucked out and got a private room as well. Bonus. Also, did the uh, chart, and turns out it's cheesecake all the way. <laughs> all right. I was thinking Again. about I was thinking about this uh, as well with, with our family, which is one thing that we've a couple of times had all to ourselves were when we've been in England, is getting tours of of places. So when we went last time with the girls in 2012, we ended up at this castle. I can't remember what the castle was called. Sorry, but there was no one there. When we were there, like uh, oh. we were there so early in the morning, I guess, because we we dropped by on our way. We landed at the airport, and on our way up to up to uh, Ron's to visit family, we we stopped at this place just to look at it, and no one else was there. So we were just like wandering around. It was really it was kind of fun. And I also I always like to ask questions of the what do they call the 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 people who work in museums and stuff who are like volunteers. There's a name for those people. Uh, losers. <laughs> That's not the word I was looking for, but that is also apt, I suppose. Anyway, I, I, you know, I would ask some questions and stuff, and then because you're, there's no one else there, they, they're really forthcoming with lots of good information and stuff. It was really great. And another time, we were at a Burley house, which interested us because the first Earl of Burley used to live here in British Columbia because he had moved here when he was younger, and it looked like he wasn't going to be the Earl of Burley, so he just like left England and moved to Canada, and he was he owned a ranch or worked on a ranch in, in the interior. And somehow through circumstances, the earlship fell to him. Oh. And I don't, I think he had to go back or so. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But we're, so we're sort of interested. They also had like a, a three-day event there. So Lisa was really keen about seeing it. And when we got there, we got there quite late. And so we were the last tour of the, of the day. And it was just us, just our family doing this tour. So that's always kind of nice. Anyway. Mm-hmm. And also oh, it tur- nice. turns out it's cheesecake all the way. I knew that was going to be Lisa's answer. Edward Dragansky writes, um, this was a nifty invention I discovered in college called an artograph. It was a big projector that moved up and down on an arm secured to a drawing table. When you put photos inside of the lighted interior, the mirrors and lens projected it onto the desk so you could draw over the image projected from above. Oh, that's neat. <laughs> uh, the, the art building had two of these uh, for student use, and they were in sorry shape. Uh, waiting to use one was like the confession line at my church. Uh, nothing sucks more than having, that'd be funny. I'm just picturing the concession line at the church and just like, Hey, so what are you going to confess? Mm, you know, <laughs> sins. Yeah. How about you? Yeah. Sins. What are you, venial sins? No, mortal. Mortal sins. <laughs> mortal sins. Cardinal, cardinal sins. That seems kind of. Mortal. Well, some sins, sins of the flesh. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, sins of the flesh. Hey, you get, you want to go for coffee? <laughs> Okay. Uh, nothing. Uh, nothing sucks more than having to draw under the pressure of time like that. Yes. Boo. At some point, my advertising professor told me there was a brand new artograph in the General Academics Building, or the Gab, <laughs> where all my advertising classes were. All I had to do was ask for a key to the room from my professor's assistant during the hours she was in the office. I could use this pristine artograph as long as I wanted and draw off as many things as I wanted, taking my time. And no other art students ever knew. I kept the secret to myself. This room was also a storage for a ton of brand new Apple equipment. Something new to the campus then, but I wouldn't even touch the stuff. I didn't even touch the stuff. I just secretly drew by myself in that dark room and never told another soul. Also, donuts beats cupcakes. Ice cream beats sundaes and donuts. Pie beats cake. Cookies beat cheesecake. Ice cream cone versus pie. Winner? Hi, oh, yeah. loser, me. I am diabetic. <laughs> no. no. Oh, that seems a rather, a rather inapt question. Sorry, sorry, Ed. But pie, I'm, I'm with you. 
I'd be surprised if Edward ever writes this again. Okay, Edward wrote again to say, thanks for including the link to the Electric Jellyfish podcast above. I've done two podcasts. Uh, I've done two podcasts so far, and I love it. The hosts, Chad and Shannon, have been very kind to accept me into their podcasting realm. Not all the episodes are about Star Wars. Uh, they do a variety of other pop culture themed discussions, Marvel, DC, or any of the new films released. Chad just invited me on because we met through a local Dallas Star Wars club back in the late 90s. Before then, Chad and I didn't know each other, uh, know one another, but we both grew up in the same town, so it's fun to compare many of the same experiences growing up in Mesquite. Uh, Shannon also grew up there, so it's a good bet. We crossed paths years ago. It's great fun, and you don't have to twist my arm into talking about Star Wars for over an hour. Hmm. I love that Matthew McConaughey film, uh, Dallas Star Wars Club. No. That is your smattering of applause for the day. <laughs> Thank you. Is that all yeah, that joke was? Welcome. That all that joke broke you're out? You're very welcome. Oh man, uh, I'm just realizing now. I've still got to read Crystal's uh, uh, yes, letter yes, from last week, but not before Chris Roberts uh, lets us know. Donut. <laughs> donut Heart one. Emoji. Donut, donut emoji. Donut. Three exclamation points. No, uh, no confusion there. The winner. She is Donut. <laughs> okay, going back to episode 394. 394, and, that's quite a while ago. Oh, gosh, I don't know what I'm talking about, brother. <laughs> I've been in the sun. 494. Okay. There you go. Okay, so we're going to talk now. Here's, here's what it's going to be. Okay, uh, to David, Ian, and all the sneaky listeners with a happy face. Thank you for the happy face. <laughs> I haven't dropped off the face of the map. I'm just a week behind. I'm uh, trying to play catch-up. My husband got vaccinated. Yay! We will yay you back. Yay! Yay, that's great. And then wanted to take the family out of state for a short anniversary trip. Fun, fun for all. But he doesn't like listening to anything in the car, which meant no sneaky dragon for me. Well, really? He drives is, in a, absolute silence in a car? That is a non-happy face following that. Mm. Well, Crystal, I guess it's uh, that time where you've got to decide. Is it your husband? Or sneaky dragon. <laughs> no, I'll tell you. What's that you say? Oh, we lost another listener. I'm oh, dumb. I can stop making that. You, uh, yeah, that's that was a hard challenge. You know what? I think uh, for Crystal next week we'll do a show that's just absolutely silent. Mm. Yeah. And then just uh, occasionally make the sound of something going wrong in a car. <laughs> Check engine light. Um, question of the week: uh, What is your takeout? Or delivery food of choice. She responds, usually a pizza or Mexican. If I had my taste preference, I would say catfish. Mm. Uh, but pizza and Mexican hold up uh, well over the car drive home. Sadly, catfish reheated in the oven isn't as appetizing as when freshly prepared. Hmm. One of the joys of living in the country is that you have to drive at least 30 miles in any direction to reach a nearby town. So we usually try to do takeout on our way home from work. Sub-question. Ralph the dog is my favorite Muppet, but if I could include Sesame Street characters, I would say Grover. Grover was the it character when I was growing up. I had a number of Sesame Street books featuring Grover. Was one of them the monster at the end of this book? Because that is a very good that's book. That's a very good book, yeah. I don't want to spoil it for you, but the title does. Um, <laughs> I feel like he was pushed to the side in popularity when Elmo was introduced. You're not wrong. Everyone was pushed to the side in... Yeah, yeah, it was Elmo Palooza. Have a great <laughs> week, everyone. Thank you. And uh, and Crystal, I hope you have a great week. Hope your family has a great week. And I hope you have all the catfish that you want, uh, as fresh as it can be. Yeah, a nice uh, nice fried catfish. Mm, nom, 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 nom. I agree with that. 
I've never, so we've never had got it. some emails, right, Dave? We do? Yeah, I think there was a thing from Louise where she sent in a... Uh, oh, that's a right. I'm sorry. A chart. A, ch- a chart? She did send a chart. I was I was going to put that onto the website, but I guess we can talk about we it. We can do both. Because what, what, what is fun about what Louise did was that she she uh, took my quick hastily scrawled bracket, which isn't even like a real bracket, and uh, she she um, photoshopped it into a actual like uh, continuity. So so this is for Louise, Louise's choices. So for donuts, cupcakes, ice cream, and Sunday, it became donuts and Sunday. So Sunday beat ice cream, donuts beat cupcakes. Yeah. For pie and cake and cheesecake and cookies, and she said, assuming this includes bar cookies, aka squares, and that's fine. I was going to put the uh, the note. All these things are like your ideal pie, cake, cheesecake, whatever. So uh, pie, cake, pie one, cheesecake mm-hmm. and cookies, cookies one. But with donuts and Sunday, the Sunday one. Oh, Sunday beat donuts with pie and cookies. Pie one. Final final score. Pie. That's great. That makes me feel better about bringing pie for our get-togethers. Yeah, we had a get-together and Louise was there. Yes. Uh, we had, oh, many a former guest. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Louise was there. Yeah. Uh, my wife, uh, Pia, was there. My sister-in-law, Vicky, was there. Yeah. Uh, all former guests. Uh, David Fine was there. And yeah. Alison Stoke was there. How do, people, how do people get on the show? It's amazing. You know what? It's who you know. It's a meritocracy. Yeah, what it I, is. I understand that. We haven't had uh, uh, Jackie... <laughs> On the show, Jackie Moon was also there, but yeah. you know, who knows? Maybe in the future, maybe we'll do another cooking segment, and she can be there with us uh, because you know uh, she does teach cooking, yeah. and she can say to us, "Don't, don't do that! What you're gonna do, you fools? You're gonna cut your hands off!" I, actually, there was one thing where uh, in our previous uh, thing where we made uh, eggs Dedrick, yeah, I toasted some English muffins, yeah, and I don't know if I brought this up, but Louise said. Oh, you reached in the toaster with uh, the knife mm. and you could get electrocuted. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like really paranoid about that. Like I do not do that. And I yeah. was like, oh boy. I, cu- I could have got distracted with a story Dave's telling. We we, we made a point of unplugging it when you did that. That's the thing. When I looked at my – I rewatched the tape. Yeah. It was available on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, just look up Eggs Dedrick on <laughs> Sneaky Dragon. Yeah. And uh, and I do unplug it uh, long before I start jamming a knife in there. Yeah, yeah, no, we. Uh, so we're fine. <laughs> it's all good. It was I was keeping an eye on that too. <laughs> Thank you very much. I do remember uh, that. I appreciate everyone's concern, but uh, you know, there you go. How dare you judge me? Is what I'm <laughs> so uh, do we have do we have any uh, other uh, mail and such things, David? Or are we, we done don't. For... We're done for mail this week. We had then let us email. Uh, the creative juices. Ugh, that's gross. Um, <laughs> let yeah. let the their creative juices squirt all over Sneaky Dragon this week. Right. And as you know, the reason that we ask you these questions, of yeah. course, it's important. It's important to know is because we're trying to get your personal information uh, for identity theft. <laughs> that's right. This week's so, question is: What was your what was your mother's maiden name? Yeah, I, I really appreciate. I really do appreciate. Oh, did you just get a letter? I, I don't know what I got. I'd have to. Because last time I got, uh, uh, I went through all the letters, and then all, all of a sudden Lisa wrote at the last second, and you went, aha! And so, okay, this is good to know. Um, so, so this is uh, uh, what, apparently what it's telling me is that Ian Boothby posted yeah. a link, Mannequin on the Moon by Ian Boothby. 
uh, dot, oh. dot, dot. So I assume it means NP Aguera. So oh, apparently is, you have been a little distracted during this show. Oh, I always have to, I have, always have to put up the links to our, uh, to our daily comic strip. I can be doing this, but I've got to be doing that as well. <laughs> That's my job. Huh? Uh, and it also is plugging this thing. So, Hey, what Dave's talking about. If you go to gocomics.com, uh, you will find a daily comic strip. They're called Mannequin on the Moon with Pia Guerra, who is my wife. That's correct. But also the co-creator of that TV show I was talking to you earlier, mm-hmm. uh, Why the Last Man. She also is a well-regarded intro cartoonist. Also, we do stuff for The New Yorker once in a while. Uh, and sometimes we do uh, cartoons that aren't good for The New Yorker. What do we do with those? We make a daily comic strip called Mannequin on the Moon. So if you go to uh, gocomics.com, uh, uh, go to Mannequin on the Moon, you will find our daily strip and the archive of all our past strips. So uh, check that out. Or go to Mannequin on the Moon on Instagram. You can do that if you feel like it. They're uh, they're all in there as well. Yeah, that's the fun subtext to Mannequin on the Moon is you read the the, the uh, comics and go, New Yorker, turn this down? Huh. Weird. Well, not necessarily. Sometimes they just we just know that's not a New Yorker thing. Oh, okay. Also, okay. We, we submit uh, like about seven cartoons a week. Mm-hmm. So they can only pick one. That's, so no that's matter true. what, it's like they can't go, all seven are going in. <laughs> it's actually kind of nice. Uh, huh. I've got the New Yorker um, uh, calendar. Yes. The, you know, joke of day calendar. Sure. And uh, we're in a lot of it. Uh, huh. PM, that's good. That's good. nice. Yeah. That's a good feeling. That's good. like, hey, <laughs> feel like a grown up. Feels nice. <laughs> um, what I'm going to suggest as a question for the week, for this week, okay. as we were talking about late night, uh, and uh, uh, what was what was your favorite? It could be a, a host or a show. But what was the show that you uh, stayed up late to watch? What was your late night mm. treat show? Was it like Saturday Night Live? Was it something else? Are you a big uh, Dick Cavett fan? You know, what did you? What did you? It could even be like when you were young, like staying up to like nine or ten. That's also <laughs> fun. But what was the show that you stayed up late for? Yeah, uh, that uh, that you really liked. You had to watch in your pajamas because you had to go to bed right as soon as it was over. Your jam jams. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird because my wife is five years younger than me. Yeah. She watched Carson. I never watched Carson. She watched Saturday Night Live like kind of from the start. Yeah. And I never I never watched it until maybe into the Eddie Murphy's years. Okay. Yeah. I, di- I did watch Saturday Night Live in its first uh, couple seasons, uh, I, but I didn't like it very much. <laughs> no, that's fair. It's my memory of it now. is that it was boring. You're not wrong. Try watching it now. Same thing. Yeah, I just I just remember thinking these sketches never end. I was a SCTV fan, so it was uh, hard to or a Monty, Python, a Monty Python fan. So I I liked my comedy faster, you know. Every so often uh, on Twitter, you get followed by someone. And you go what? Um, and uh, the most recent what? Uh, person was Lorraine Newman. Oh yeah, followed me on Twitter. And uh, it's uh, well, you, you you have commented on her posts before. I've commented on some of her posts. That's right. But like, uh, she's commented on my stuff too. And like, it's <laughs> it's very back and forth, back and forth. Huh. And uh, I recently was listening to uh, a podcast that she was on, and holy shit, she's fascinating. Really? She's like one of the founders of like the Groundlings. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she dated Warren Zevon, and like, it's like all this stuff <laughs> before. Like, went to Paris, studied mine with Marcel Marceau. What? This is all stuff before Saturday Night Live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then once on Saturday Night Live, then she's doing this person, she's doing this, and this adventure, and doing this, and doing that. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, she's really, really interesting. Yeah. Huh. 
Keen. What does she do? What does she do though? What does she do like now? Yeah. Well, she has a lot of voice stuff. Oh, okay, okay. And uh, you know, I think I think she's got enough. Uh, listen, I think also if you're a founding member of the Groundlings, you could probably get a little scratch off that, and that uh, that probably did well for for a good while. Mm-hmm. Um, what is she doing currently? She was in Wally. Uh, she's she has a lot of stuff. Yeah, she's just consistently working. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. How dare you? I wasn't. I, I wasn't implying that she does nothing. Uh, I just was curious what you. curious what she's up to. Maybe there's a little movie called The Grinch where she did additional voices. How about that? <laughs> well, that's fine. I, I just you know you just wonder like when you think about when you go yeah what I wonder what they're doing. Are they okay? Yeah, she's doing video games. She's doing television. She's doing movies. Yeah, she's cool. working like crazy. Good, good for her. Yeah, uh, she's also a writer and editor. Uh, yeah, yeah. Holy shit, she does a lot. She contributes to McSweeney's, The Believer, Los Angeles Times. Yeah. God, we should all have her career. (laughs) And so on and so forth. Who is the stealth talent that came out of the early Saturday Night Live cast? The stealth talent? Yeah. Um, hmm. I mean, there's so many people that then went into doing movies, you know? Uh, That's the thing. Movies as in, like, writing movies is what I'm Mm, saying. Okay. You know, uh stealth that's the problem it's like everyone i'm thinking about just like albert brooks had those yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. like there's so many people from the early you know i'd say like uh you know one season after the main cast you know you had your uh gilbert gottfried there mm-hmm. you know there's a guy who sure. you know, wants to it's working it's working solid um i was thinking of jane Curtin. As someone you you wouldn't say wow they're you know they're like a stellar part of that cast like you know she was no John Blue she was no Dan Aykroyd no, no. oh okay are we doing we're doing that okay we're doing like uh, underrated and then later yeah on. yeah I just feel like you know like she was when I say stealth I just I just kind of mean like sort of underappreciated you know for what she was like she was really great as um you know for for the uh, for the um, whatever they call it the the news the news segment the update yes the, you know she was always really just a really great like uh, straight straight someone who really understood like the value of a straight comedian in a in a uh in a sketch show or in a situation like that you know like you need that kind of you need that one grounded character who that makes everything else work around it you know she's very good at that so you're you're saying like the stealth character wasn't uh george co who's george co george co was hired to be the old guy and only appeared in one episode in the first season <laughs> and then was let go yeah and then his most recent role yeah. was the role of the butler in the show Archer. But he was worked consistently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's in the Stepford Wives. He's, you know, he's in like tons of stuff. Like he's in everything. Hmm. Yeah. You know what? George Coe. That's who I'm saying. One episode, fired, and then uh, then worked like crazy for the rest of his life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, George Coe. <laughs> right. How about, how about that? Like, you, you know what? You because we're already doing the late night thing. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go with this. Let's go. Uh, who was an underrated Saturday Night Live cast member? That yeah, uh, yeah it that, doesn't matter what from what whatever era because like everyone has their favorite eras and and yeah. everyone's favorite eras are the correct era to be fam- to be your favorite era. By the way, there's no wrong era for Saturday Night Live. I am going to uh, I am going to agree with you. Yes, yes, indeed. I mean, I just yeah. think I just think the show is inherent and has inherent problems with it as like the idea of it you know like the way it's done you're always you're never going to have like the greatest show ever but you're also but you're also going to have like great sketches as part of like that general 
you know, it's just the way the show's done. It's, you know, it's written, it's written uh, quickly. It seems rather haphazard how it's done. It's, uh, you know, they just, it's, you know, it's done live. So there's no, there's no, you know, there's no looking back. And there's, there's a thing where the most popular person in the show live yeah, you know, you, I'd say like the most popular person in the show live. I mean, maybe John Belushi, um, but the most popular person in the show live after that, probably I go with Dana Carvey and yet try to take that to movies. You know, good luck. Can't do it. Mm-hmm. Doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Goes on and it's fine. And everyone likes Dana Carvey. And it's fine. But you think like that's the guy who's the breakout guy. Then you got someone like a Robert Downey Jr. Who whenever there's a list of, you know, the the, the best to worst is always like at the very, very end. Yeah. And then, like, hmm. and as I always say, uh, whether you're the, uh, considered the best Saturday Night Live cast member of all time, or you're considered the worst, you're going to end up as Dr. Doolittle. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Just ask Rex Harrison. That's right. Rex Harrison. Often at the bottom here. of Saturday Night Live list yep. is one of the he, worst he, cast I, members of Saturday Night Live. Absolutely. Many people also, have described him as dead on stage. Yeah, he's always like, can I bring a giant snail in to wrap up this sketch? It's like, that'll slow it down even more. How did you think that was going to speed up the plot? That's right. The giant snail. Your insistence, your insistence on speak singing all of your lines is bad enough. We don't need a giant snail here. Oh, Meshugana. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. Oh, uh, here we go. Uh, 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 Muppets. There. What about that? Oh, Muppets oh, is as a breakout. Oh, they yeah. already, they already, they already pre-existed the Sunday Night Live. But, okay, they were on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. And you occasionally see them on a talk show. You see them on... they didn't have anything else. No, they're on Ed Sullivan show all the time. Yeah, but we're talking like by the time Saturday Night Live was going on. Uh Uh-huh. You know, it's like, yeah, of course, but so was Topo Gigio. You know, they were the... (laughs) They were kind of done. I understand. Well, I don't know if they were done, but yeah, yeah. I think I don't know. They were. I mean, they were. On, they were considered. I think at the point where they were on Saturday Night Live, these are these are kids uh, puppets, you know. And, and that was something that Henson, you know, never okay. totally wanted. Maybe, maybe that. Maybe that's the, the case. But I, but I, you know, like I was just thinking yeah, myself. George Coe. George Coe. The musician of Bremen's had been done and stuff. Like that. I just, I, you know, I just, I, you know, I kind of feel the same way about Albert Brooks. Like Albert Brooks already had a career before he he joined Saturday Night Live. Like he was brought into Saturday Night Live because he could bring an audience with him. I think that was assumed at the time anyway. They didn't they didn't um they didn't take into account his complete indifference to what they were doing. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> sort of the same thing with uh, you know, uh then you had Ben Stiller come on and did uh, a couple episodes mm-hmm. with his mm-hmm. films. Yeah. Just wanted to do films. They wanted him to do live stuff. He wasn't that game for it. Yeah. yeah. And so he left. And then I think Andy Sandberg learned from that and just went I want to do the films, but I'll do the live stuff. Not going to make waves with the live stuff, yeah. but I'm going to focus on the films. Sure. And uh, yeah, sure. there you go. And that, both of them are very successful now. So what's the right path? Who knows? <laughs> well, yeah, the right path apparently is to, well, yeah, that's a good point. The right path is not to do Master of Disguise. That's the right path. <laughs> turtle, turtle. You know, you know what happened that day, right? What day? The day that he shot that turtles thing, right? No, I don't. Oh, okay. So uh, <laughs> you know the turtle scene I'm talking about. I've never seen the movie. I just know okay, from you know, the trailer he goes turtle, that. turtle. What's yeah, that? that's right. You know, am I not turtly enough for the turtle club? Turtle, turtle, turtle. And he's doing the spinning on his back because he's a turtle. And it makes no sense. But anyway, uh, that was 9-11. The day so, they shot that was 9-11. The day they shot that was 9-11. How they all found out but what, what happened 
they were in those clothes. They turned on the news. Yes. They all gathered around. Oh my god. Picture picture him in the turtle outfit. Yeah. Seeing the plane hit the building. Yeah. First yeah. Time. Yeah, yeah. 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 And he's the turtle. It's pretty surreal. I'm laughing because it's so awful. But I don't know how else Like to there's nothing like the only thing you can think is he has to watch that happen and then go down into the suit. <laughs> there's no way he doesn't turtle up. <laughs> Which is, a, a, and no disrespect to anyone or anything. Yeah. And I, I, we shouldn't end this episode on that. <laughs> but that is how Dana Carvey found out about we'll, uh, the Twin Towers. Don't worry, I'll play the Stars and Stripes forever behind you as we... I, I, I do appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, no problem. It's playing, okay. right, it's playing right now. You can't, obviously can't hear it yet, but I will have it playing so that... It sounds like... Kind of... Yeah. Okay, fair enough. It sounds like you're playing a turtle song. Yeah, I'm, I'm playing a turtle Why song. Why is Happy Together playing right um, <laughs> It's not that turtle song. Okay, fair enough. Uh, what, choose the most popular? I'm going for yeah, the deep cuts, brother. I know, we've already plugged your It's a B-side, it's a B-side. Okay, listen, if you want to <laughs> respond to uh, to our questions, please do. We would love you to respond oh, okay, to our questions. Okay, I will. Thanks for the uh, How you do it is you go to sneakydragon.com, uh, where there, uh, our messages uh, are available underneath our episodes. Just go to the episode underneath. There's a message area. Put it there. That's fine. Or why not go to Facebook, Sneaky Dragon, and post there. Or Twitter, Sneaky underscore Dragon. Or Tumblr, SneakyDragon.tumblr.com. This is all. I, it's by this point, we've gone weak. We don't know what we're talking about. But we do yeah. love to hear from you. And as always, as we've said, please give us as much of your personal information as possible. This really helps us out. Or if you felt like contributing to us without being identity frauded, uh, we do have a Patreon account. So if you go to, uh, <laughs> is it Sneaky Dragon uh, Patreon or just go patreon.com and then Sneaky Why How do they do that? I, I don't know. Just If you go to patreon.com, just search Sneaky Dragon. Sneaky Dragon. Or we've got a, a, a link on our uh, website. So that's also good. Uh, and, you know, if you, you give us a little a month, hey, we keep the lights on and all is good. Uh, and if you don't, eh, it's also fine. We're all right. Everything's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. It's fine. We're getting closer to our uh, 500th episode where Dave and I will be doing this in person and I will have better sound. <laughs> I thank you so much for your tolerance as we uh, get get through this uh, tough uh, time. I'm going to and, sabotage your mic. Oh, yeah. And, and Dave does enjoy a bit of sabotage. <laughs> sabotage. A sabotage. Sabotage. And uh, next time I uh, talk to you, I will be one year old. So there, birthday's coming. Your birthday's coming up. That's right, yeah. June, June. Yeah. Hey, yeah, I just it's, oh, sorry. Went into this. Uh, went into this pandemic. Uh, one age. Now it's like uh, somehow I'm two years older coming out of it. How's that work? That doesn't work. <laughs> it's a year. It makes no sense. But this timing. It is timing. Timing. Hey, I does that, I was confused last week. Oh, I wrote okay. I wrote down something on, on a notepad and it said CB comment. And so this took me until just this minute to figure out what I meant by it. Okay. And this is what I was I wanted to tell you cuz when I was editing the show not not last week's show but the week before, remember we were talking about Car- Carmina Burana or Carmina Brena and I told that little pun, you know, let's call the whole thing Orf. Uh, and then sure. you you're interested in the that song, let's call the whole thing off. When was it written? Nineteen. Yes. It was in the nineteen thirty-seven version uh, movie with uh, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. And I was thinking when I was editing the show, I said, "You know what? I bet you, Carmina Burana is from about that same time period." 
because Orff was working in Germany at that time, and you know, after the war, he had a lot of he had a lot of Nazi. I didn't, you know, lots. He had to go through the whole whole denazification process. But what's funny is that Carmina Bron- Barina, Carmina Brana, it was written in 1937. The same year as let's call the whole thing off. So that's, oh, interesting. Yeah, it's kind of because that's it's one of those classical pieces that when you hear it, you think, "Oh, this is old. This is like from like the 19th century when you know it's like when people were really like like just putting all that this romantic energy into the music and stuff like that." But no, it was written in 1937. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was what CB Common meant, and I couldn't understand it last week because I wrote it down. <laughs> very cryptic thing to write down, apparently. Ah, but, relax now. But now, all right. now it all makes sense. It all makes Yay. sense, everyone. And one last thing is, uh, you can hear me once again on the Dirty Harry Minute. I answered some questions about uh, my thoughts about Dirty Harry. And uh, I can't remember all the questions now, but I answered them all with great ecla- uh, clat, great skill, and uh, more with more words than I properly can't speak. But at that time, it was great. <laughs> When I when I was answering this question, it was just a, a masterpiece of coherence, and now it's a in a master work of incoherence. But that's okay. What the heck? Anyway, Dirty Harry Minute. If you if you want to hear me speak some more about that deathless movie, Dirty Harry, you can go to Dirty Harry Minute, and there I am answering questions. So there. Da 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 boom. So there, uh, <laughs> you've got another podcast to listen to. Go listen to it. And uh, thank you for uh, spending some time with us. Yep. Uh, and uh, and that is uh, all for now. We will see you in the future. Sneaky Dragon, sign off. It's my new catchphrase. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Another smattering. <laughs>